While the vaccines provide strong protection for the vaccinated, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. We can get there with vaccines. We can end this thing. But many people are still hesitant to get that jab. Defiance, defiance against vaccines and get the jab or risk losing your job. That's the ultimatum facing. The 1.2 million Victorians that cannot work from home. What do you think would be the new rule to require vaccination of all NHS staff? enact those vaccine mandates. I really feel like that is the last tool that we can use. You're not hazardous, go on. So I've had COVID at some point. Yeah. Uh, I've got antibodies. There are no data that prove that vaccine immunity is superior to natural immunity. I do not want to have vaccination. But in fact, there are much uh, data to the contrary. The science isn't strong enough. Literally millions of Americans who are COVID recovered. We take the very best advice that we can. Very solid evidence is demonstrating that these folks are equally, if not better, protected from subsequent infection. From the the people that are vaccine experts. Yesterday, Twitter deplatformed Dr. Robert Malone in yet another long line of scientists, doctors and experts who've been silenced during this pandemic. If you make the judgment to not get vaccinated, and you reckon you can wait out us or the publican or whoever you want to think you're waiting out you won't wait out the virus Uh, having received two doses it's a very effective vaccine they do say that (laughs) that hasn't proven to me to be true they are literally in a fantasy world getting that third dose is protection against getting infected in the first place despite two three four doses of the vaccine uh, it's not so good at preventing infection in the first place. I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection, and I think we overplayed the vaccines. They have one of the highest vaccination rates in the world. Studies show that immune function among vaccinated individuals eight months after the administration of two doses of COVID-19 vaccine was lower than that among the unvaccinated. Australia this morning, the country now the world leader per capita when it comes to COVID-19 infection. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Friday, January 27th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. It's one of these points where we can very clearly see the plan that's been laid out, the long-sought plan, whether we're talking mRNA platform direction, whether we're talking universal injections. We're seeing this really come together in a very alarming way after this recent FDA meeting and a lot of other things that we're seeing play out. So we're going to go over this information today and show you, again, that this has been something that's been in the works for a very long time something that right this moment is being broken down as not just not efficacious, but straight up dangerous for everybody. And this is the direction they're not taking this entire, your entire medical future in if you're going along with these people. Bivalent, mRNA, platform, universal injections across the board. And they literally just had this discussion and came to the conclusion that this is your future. This is the next thing coming your way. Based on what exactly? 
all the many different scientific studies we've reviewed just over the last so many months showing you that these things are more dangerous, more serious adverse events, not as efficacious, destroy your immune system. It's it's almost comical if it wasn't so deadly and alarming what's happening to people. So we're going to go through this and show you as we do in general what we're seeing what's happening in the world, the body of evidence as best we can in a not going over every single point over again, every single time type of way, show you some of the information we have aligned with this. And one of the interesting points today we're going to go over is how we've already kind of discussed how they're sort of cult, like folding the narrative to a degree. And I don't mean like the broad entirety of this where the platforms, the, you know, vaccination and revaccination and, and the great reset overlap. I mean, more so like specifically around COVID. I mean, we're all pretty aware that almost every single claim that was made has literally shown to be false, if not if not completely the opposite, at least not exactly what they said. I mean, every single one of them, guys, you point out which ones they've got correct from the very beginning. And let's forget. Let's not forget. They weren't guessing. I mean, there's a whole conversation to be had about what really happened in the beginning. But their argument was that this is the reality. They're safe and effective. As Borla said, 100 percent stopping transmission over here in Africa. They literally yelled all these things at you, and every single one of them is shown to be false. And you know the general danger, the infection fatality rate of COVID in general, whether the tests they were using were accurate, whether or not the things they're currently doing now are even working, whether or not the regulatory agencies themselves are actually doing what they're supposed to. I mean, it's ridiculous. All of these things are now starting to fall to the wayside in an interesting way, not because I believe they're going, you got us. You finally admit, we finally admit that we were lying the whole time, but because this is sort of a engineered collapse, if you will, whether that's because of what we did or because that was always the plan, that's for you to decide. But I think it's pretty obvious now that we're starting to see these things come down where, oh, well, the as one of the articles we'll discuss today from Wall Street Journal, of all places, the deceptive campaign for the bivalent COVID boosters. That's an article from the 22nd of January this year. The deceptive campaign for bivalent boosters, and you just watch the entire medical establishment tell you that they're the best things in sliced bread. So what's going on here? How does that even possibly make sense? Again, these things are that we each need to come to our own conclusions about the, the true breadth of this. But I personally find that the data in front of us is undeniably clear. At best, they're conflicted, aren't they? Where even the corporate side of this is now going, well, I don't know. It seems like they're kind of lying. Now, is that because it's going a certain direction? I, I don't even think everybody within all of this is, is, for instance, the politicians, the media themselves. Do you think they're really, truly aware of everything that's happening and how it's going down? I mean, look at people like Nancy Pelosi or, or you know, Brian Stelter. And let's go, yeah, they really clearly know what's going on on the inside. I mean, that's more of a, you know, it's a personal joke. But at the end of the day, I don't believe these people truly know what's going on. So then you get articles like this and that kind of counterbalance. I, I think that they're kind of eating themselves alive is the, the, the long short of it because of the way that they've over propagandized even people on their side. And so it's kind of falling apart in an interesting way. But as always, it's clearly not stopping. It's not even slowing down. In fact, they're going faster and faster. And I think that's ultimately because of how well you in the audience and everybody else has broken this whole thing down. But we're going to talk about how that's continuing to fall apart. The FDA panel and how they're now telling you we're talking about annual COVID shots. We're talking about annual mRNA shots, potentially universal shots and, and making sure they're all bivalent because that's what's working today. That's what they're actually saying despite the evidence. And we have some videos to show you things that were said during those meetings that don't really align with the publicly shared narrative. And then we'll talk about, of course, this really interesting study trying to argue 
on top of everything because they did a grand meta analysis that they're completely safe and effective. I mean, imagine making that argument right now with all of the work that's out there, all of the Bayer's reports, all of the excess death, everything. And this study comes out and goes totally safe and effective or that rather just that they are still should still be used. And I'll go through and break that down for you yet again and show you why I think it's very clearly a game being played primarily with the vax versus unvax definition. Typical. If you got people in the unvaccinated category that clearly have shots in their body, then that's not really unvaccinated, is it? Now, we're also going to finish and talk about the origin discussion a little bit as it pertains to EcoHealth Alliance. And then finish today with the Project Veritas discussion, which I'm sure everybody has seen which is still very, very interesting. I mean, really interesting. Now, I would say important. I do believe that this is, as I've always said, Project Veritas's content is, regardless of how very clearly being partisan and very clearly sometimes being selectively edited, it's still very important. Now, you cannot get past the fact that this per... We'll get into all the details about whether or not people are arguing it doesn't work for Pfizer and so on. We'll go through it all. My point, my stand, I, I see it as whether or not it was faked from their side or from Pfizer's side or from how it's still interesting and still very insightful to what's actually going on today. But I would say right out of the gate before we get to it, stay tuned to the end that I don't, there's no reason whatsoever at all that anybody should be dismissing that story. Now I'm not saying I know for sure that there's not more to it. Maybe they lied. Maybe something was hoaxed or faked or hoaxed faked or something like that, which people are discussing, but none of that's proven. So as far as we can tell right now, it seems we got Pfizer on tape admitting some things, or at least he works for Pfizer and has lied about some things, however you want to look at it. And is that not interesting? Should it not be reported on? Of course it should. But of course, you won't hear any about that, in the, any of that in the corporate media, which is usually pretty telling. He clearly is somebody that does work. It's, it's, it's a very interesting story, but stay tuned at the end. We'll get there. I don't think it's as important as some of the other things happening until we can prove what he said is, you know, on and on and on. But it's very interesting, and I do think it's relevant to the bigger story today. But let's start off with some a uh, couple quick shout-outs in general to the content that uh, our Substack in general. Some of the autonomy page just went up. I wanted to show you a couple things. A great new st- uh, article that just went up on Substack. Uh, new study shows mRNA vaccine sequences found in blood 28 days post-injection. We just talked about this. That's what this is based on, the recent discussion of that study. And, of course, I recently just shared this yet again tagging American Red Cross going, you guys care to comment? I mean, this is now the second peer-reviewed study that proves your comment 30, you know, here, I'll just grab it real quick, where they are saying, what comes up when I search for it? As of the 22nd, or excuse me, the 13th of of 2022, that they don't label the blood products as vaxxed or unvaxxed. Why? Well, simply because the vaccine does not enter your bloodstream, stupid, of course. I mean, that's, this is my point of kind of what we're going to get into next. The establishment level, they're still towing a 2020 line. They are literally still arguing the stays in your shoulder, that it doesn't go in your blood, and on and on and on. Some levels of that is, still exist. It's mind-blowing. The point being is this is a second peer-reviewed study now that finds that way past not going at all <laughs> in one day, 28 days post-injection still circulating in your bloodstream. That's wild. And so the point is, what else were they lying about? What else did they get wrong? Well, it turns out pretty much every single thing involved in this narrative, and yet people are still pretending like we can listen to them wax intellectual about what's going to happen next. It's pretty crazy. And also, we have the subscriber roundtable coming up, which God will be hosting on the 28th. Make sure you tune in for that or sign up if you want to be a part of it. Now, I want to make sure you saw this article because this is I, I am going to be doing a foreign policy focus in the near future. 
I was going to be doing that with the discussion I just had with Whitney, which, by the way, I think you'll see right here. We just talked about this. Russia blamed for Spain white supremacy attack. And this is the very group that Whitney and I discussed that she just she called in her previous research. Exactly. The group just got blamed without any connection. It's 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 absurd. It's the beginning of the vanilla ISIS psyop. I'm convinced. But I will be doing a focus about other stuff related to Ukraine, in, in, including that recent apartment building and some very weird, suspicious stuff. The main point of this article, by the way, or the, one of, my point that I wanted to get out at the end was that ultimately one of the individuals that was just fired or let down, let go from his position in, the, in, the, in Zelensky's cabinet just so happened to be touring Spain right when this was all happening. And then he got fired because of that very trip. And then they go, oh, white supremacy attack. I find this to be kind of interesting. Anyway, the point, though, is that there's a lot more going on in foreign policy, but don't miss this story because this is actually pretty, it's just unbelievable. It's still going on right now, by the way. Israel commits biggest Jenin massacre, the Jenin refugee camp, since early 2000s, then strikes Gaza numerous times, then the Palestinian Authority ends their security coordination with Israel, which is a big deal. Now, that doesn't mean it's actually going to happen the way they say it is because there's a lot of suspicion around the Palestinian Authority in general about what they're really, who they really are working for. But at the end of the day, all of this is a big deal and a huge step away from what the U.S. government wants you to think. Is The point is the Israeli government continues to kill people, murder people, ethnically cleanse, and now is operating with the most openly fascist government, it seems, on the planet, maybe save for what's going on in Ukraine. It's pretty incredible. So check this out and realize that it's still happening right now. People are still being killed. Nobody seems to care about that in the corporate media or the Western governments. Then I want to make sure you saw the interview I put up today with Jessica Rose, PhD. Well, if you haven't heard about it, Blotgate is really interesting. Now, it's a little bit into the scientific realm of this stuff that you know even I, I didn't know what these were, Western blots and so on, and I wanted to understand. That's why I reached out to her. The point is that you, the blots they're putting out on this, which are supposed to represent the spike proteins, are comically uniform when really this is how they're supposed to look, as you can see up here. So there's a lot around that and what that means and the real question about what these truncated spike proteins is ultimately what we're finding, what that means and what the dangers could be. Or really the point is nobody knows. And yet they're still pushing all this stuff on everybody because this is happening. All these things in real time are being figured out. And as Jessica said in the interview, guess what should have happened? All of this should have been studied long before this was given to even one person outside of the trials. But nope. Of course, because for your safety, we oh, we oh, ignored your safety because <laughs> that seems to be the mantra, right? We're in so much danger, we're going to skip safety stuff because that makes sense, right? And then, of course, Derek put out an outstanding article, which is getting a lot of attention today. Mexico becomes first nation to admit harms of geoengineering, halts future experiments. And guess what, guys? You're probably going to laugh out loud when you realize that the group that they had to stop was a U.S. company conducting illegal geoengineering, geoengineering experiments in Mexico, in a, in a company illegally doing so. Gee, I wonder why. I wonder who's putting that to work. The point is Mexico said stop and then said, okay, across the board, no one else is allowed to do this. Very interesting step. Point is, something that we're supposed to pretend is fake news is now being stopped in Mexico because it's hurting things. You know, pay attention, guys. The world that really exists doesn't look anything like you're going to find on CNN and Fox News. Now, last two points, I want to give a huge shout out to Derek Bros and what he's doing with the Conscious Agora Eco Village. Now, this is something he's working very hard on with his group. They're building a, a sustainable community. You know, one day when I am not working 25 hours a day, <laughs> maybe I'll go and join myself. The point is he's raising money for this. Please check it out. These are amazing people doing amazing things and trying to, you know, rebuild the world in a good way. 
So check it out, at least in their own little circle, you know, their own little corner of the world. So check it out. If you like to support it and be involved, this will be included. And lastly, again, this is the final page that now is, is now live. You can find this in the show notes. This is from uh, autonomy, uh, you know, Grand Theft World and, and, uh, and Richard Grove and that whole fantastic group over there. They, they run autonomy and they let me start uh, my own little research program here. So you guys can sign up. You can take this seven step course. It's really not seven steps. It's kind of just it's one seven broken up into seven steps, but essentially this breakdown as I did just kind of an organic live video, just trying to show people what it means to remain objective. Something that I didn't really think people would be too interested in because it seems very basic and simple to me, but apparently people are very interested in this. And so if you want to check it out, the link's in the show notes, how to do objective research and how to maintain objectivity in a subjective world gone mad is what I titled it. Now, to jump into the beginning, I want to start with a couple of things in regard to kind of Twitter, but overlapping some things that, you know, the whole Twitter thing, I can't disconnect and decouple my mind from what else is going on in the world. I find it so obviously overlapped. If you don't, then then forgive me on this, but I think this is important. Here is what he just said. Mr. Tweet, just met with Speaker McCarthy and Representative Jeffries to discuss ensuring that the platform is fair to both parties. Is that what we're supposed to be doing, that, that this platform is fair to, to the government? Right. I, th- I thought, I mean, am I confused? Or I thought this was supposed to be about free speech and about the people. What in the world do the two parties have anything to do with that? They don't. Except the reality is this is supposed to be, you know, kind of nodding to the people inside the two-party paradigm, who is what this whole slap is supposed to be leaning into. But all the rest of us are going, well, that's kind of disconcerting. What in the world does that have? And then the bigger point is, well, you see, this is the very illusion, guys. The binary equivalency. You know, the same thing that the media used to try and do, where they go, well, we take one story from one side and one story from the other. And that's how we know we're fair and balanced. You know, it's it's the fake driver's wheel in the back of your par- in the car when you're a little toddler, right? It's the illusion because that's balanced, right? One story from one side, one story from the other, except there's 130,000 sides, but we're only going to show you two, right? This is the absurd game they play. But from his perspective, it's okay. Well, since he spoke to both parties, well, i.e. the government, it must be fair, right? All that matters is respecting our rights, guys. Our rights are all that matter. No manipulation or obfuscation, not manipulation both sides agree on. I mean, can we not realize how ridiculous that is? Hell, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm missing it, guys. To me, this seems like an obvious game. And here's the, be- the more clear example. Tesla's Musk literally just met with U.S. officials on, on what they're calling e- electrification or really just their electric vehicles. You're going to find this pretty hilarious, especially those that are out there screaming that Musk is saving the world on the right side of things. Well, Tesla's executive... Elon Musk just met two officials from Joe Biden's administration on Friday to discuss how the car maker and the Democrat president could work together to advance electric vehicle production and speed electrification of the U.S. vehicle networks. Not just wait for it. He met John Podesta, of all people, the Democratic stalwart who serves as senior advisor to the president for clean energy innovation, because that's what Podesta cares about. Right. Who oversees infrastructure spending. A White House spokesperson confirmed to Reuters, quote, John Podesta and Mitch Landrew. Landro Landro met with Elon Musk to discuss shared goals around electrification. It's an interesting adjective, an electrification. Would that be the term? It seems like an odd choice of words, isn't it? I think there's more to that. And how the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law and Inflation Reduction Act, you know, the thing that Republicans love, right, can advance electric vehicle production and charging as well as the broader cause of electrification. 
Podesta left about a half hour later and did not answer any questions. And then after that, Musk also ignored questions from, okay, what else is, what is going on here? This seems odd to me. Am I wrong? Biden only publicly acknowledged the role of Tesla in the U.S. electric vehicle manufacturing over a year after taking office after Musk repeatedly complained about being ignored. And what's interesting to me, first of all, is now look, this is from a two-party as if we're pretending the two-party illusion is everything. Right. Most people, I think, are beginning to see through all of this. But isn't it interesting, one, that Musk, of all people, who is being attacked seemingly by the left, you know, again, remember the government, it's all the government in the game, though, being attacked from the left and, you know, the administration, oh, he's going to destabilize and Twitter. It's a national security risk. And here we are meeting on the set on the plan with John Podesta and about electrical vehicles. And I mean, come on, it just doesn't make this guy is a defense contractor. If we can't realize that this technocratic billionaire defense military contractor is not on your side, my God, what else are we going to fall for? But that's just my opinion. I'm going to be very clear about that. My opinion is what I just said. The facts on the table are just suspicion and plenty of reasons to be suspicious. But I'll always tell you my opinion. But am I wrong in finding that to be very strange? It does not line up with the picture we're being given. And just to make one, a kind of a joking point after that, Salva Agaris makes this point, and this is how this game is played, guys. Whether we're talking about how studies can find whatever they want, or how one day it's one thing, one day it's the next, the left, the the next. Jeez, I can't talk today, or maybe I'm talking too fast. The point is that they will change it as they see fit, and this is the two party paradigm in news stories. <laughs> Here's the Daily Mail on the left: One egg a day lowers your risk of type two diabetes. Controversial study says it promotes fatty acids that protect you from the disease. Jump over here, which is, by the way, one year later. Not even that. Less than a year later. Oh, wait. Oh, no. It, it's, it's uh, no, yeah, whatever. The point is, it's, it's a year later, to make it simple. Eating just one egg a day increases your risk of diabetes by 60%. Study warns. <laughs> My God. So in one, it lowers the other one. 60% increase. That's quite a big jump. Somebody's missing something. How does that work? Well, it's called p-hacking. I've talked about this before. They can find what they want. It's like playing a Yahtzee. You just keep rolling them out until it kind of lines up the way you want it. And you go, that looks good. And it's not necessarily wrong, right? Because the, the, the data points can be aligned to make it look that way. But this is how they play the game. It's just hilarious. Now, think about this in the context of COVID studies, mask studies, everything. And it goes both ways, guys. It's just pretty ridiculous, isn't it? Now, let's start with how the narrative is being either, you know, folded, collapsed on purpose, or maybe just that you're doing that good of a job out there. I'll let you guys decide, but I'll show you how this is now being rolled back in an interesting way while the agenda is not slowing down, if that makes sense. Now, just to reiterate this, this tweet went went pretty viral, for at least for my account. It's almost 200,000 views, 5,000 likes, almost 3,000 retweets. So showing you these people want to see this stuff. And it says, just to remind people that peer-reviewed science doesn't mean it's the only science, doesn't mean it's the only study, but just to be clear, that a peer-reviewed study has now found that, quote, at a global level, pre-vaccination infection fatality rate may have been as low as 0.03 for under 59 and 0.07 for under 69. This was never worse than the flu, according to the study we were lied to. Now, that is not, that's not the old Ben Shapiro we were lied to. We knew that. We said it then. We're just reiterating the point that we were lied to. And this is regardless of whether the study is correct, just so that's clear. But the, stu- the link is here, Science Direct. It's very clear that this was never worse than the flu. And this is one of many, by the way. That's one angle. Here's the test. January 19th. Is it time for a reality check on rapid COVID tests? Now ask yourself as we go through each of these, 
how this even possibly makes sense that we can, they're poking holes and all these, like, this is like the four legs of the table and they're cutting pieces off it left and right. For what agenda? Why now? And then what does that mean for the beginning of all this? And why can't we then look back and say, well, okay, if you're saying that it didn't work properly now, then doesn't that mean they've always not worked? Shh, don't talk about that. Look forward. <laughs> That's kind of where things are right now. As it says, as the pandemic enters its fourth year. Now, really quick side note. I thought that was interesting. I thought to myself, okay, I, I didn't know when I asked this, has that happened before? Right? Are, are there historical pandemics that last four years? Well, first of all, let's be clear. This is not even regard. It's not pandemic. <laughs> Clearly, based on the statistics prior to COVID that the U.S. government had publicly posted. I don't know why that's hard to wrap people's minds around, but it's technically even if it was as bad as they said it was, it's clearly not that now. So either way you spin this, it's not a four year pandemic, if even at all. My point is that's what they are saying. And, you know, as the pandemic enters its fourth year, you realize they're not saying as the COVID era they're saying pandemic, therefore four years of a pandemic, not a year of a pandemic and then three years of endemic and left. Even though we've had multiple examples of Biden, Fauci, people all basically saying, oh, yeah, that's over. That's no longer there. We're out of the pandemic phase. The pandemic is over. I mean, it's just it's pretty silly, isn't it? So here we start in the article by saying as the pandemic enters its fourth year. So I just quickly look and I said, OK, well, what are the pandemics have there been? In time frames. Well, as far as I can tell, there has literally never been a pandemic that's lasted more than a couple years. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. I just, I just look quickly on the CDC page. My point is the biggest ones we know of, like 1918 or even this, these ones didn't last for more than a year or two. So explain for me why it makes sense that we pretend that this is just going on its fourth year into this. <laughs> it's, for, it's the forever pandemic, just like the forever wars, guys. Welcome to the new normal. Now, it says still, you dutifully swab your nostrils before dinner parties. Um, I don't, I don't do you. I don't think anybody does. Wait 15 minutes for all clear. Well, not that either. And then text the host negative before leaving with your N95. Like uh, this is a fake discussion. Now there are people that do this, but the way that they push this forward, I was going to talk about this in another show, but there's a, a, like this, the young Turks put out this ridiculous video about the DeMar Hamlin thing. Now, look, are there people out there that are pretending that they know for sure that DeMar Hamlin is dead and that that video is to fake it because they know blah, 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 blah. Sure. Now, anybody intelligent is not going to say they know that for sure. Is it possible? Sure. Anything's possible. But the point is that they're breaking this down as if the right, all of the right, anybody anywhere saying vaccine bad or dangerous is they all dumbly believe that blah, 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 that Lamar Hamlin is still, he's dead and they're faking it. And blah. And it's a whole video about this. They're going, oh, here we go here. This is the right's new conspiracy theory. Are you talking about the right? Or are you talking about a couple people on Twitter and different chat groups and the, that you love to pretend encapsulates the entire right conversation? You get my point, right? You can do the same thing on the left. You can pretend it's that ridiculous as far as you want. And it, well, it's nuanced as always. And people like the Young Turks are cartoonish. Like, I don't think anybody can not look at them and laugh the way that they try to pretend that they're super serious and we're breaking down when they're ridiculous. They are a cartoon of what media is supposed to be. Like a lot of people out there today. And that's the point. So, yes, there are people making those arguments, but nobody intelligent, nobody who has discernment and objectivity. And there's a lot of people on the right or the left or that realize it's all fake that have both of those that are not saying that, but still could look at that and go, well, could he? Could they have faked that? Yes, it's certainly possible. And they would laugh at that, too, because they refuse to admit that people could, you know, collect and carry out some kind of illusion because they want to gain something. Oh, no. Conspiracy theory. Anyway, going on to say leaving your house with an 95. 
Because, you know, the thing that's not statistically significant in reducing transmission because we're still playing that game. It feels like the right thing to do, right? No, not at all. The virus, oh, again, my point was to argue that this is what they're framing as the, the what most people are doing. Sort of like the Young Turks example. I don't buy that for a second. You realize that not even the people who listen to them are doing that anymore. Now it says the virus has mutated and then mutated again. Yeah, because of the injections and verifiable continually making this thing change and mutate because of the, the what's the term? I'm forgetting the term all of a sudden. Not necessarily immune escape, but anyway, I'm getting getting derailed. With the test offering at least some sense of control as the Greek letters pile up. But some experts caution against putting too much faith in a negative result. One thing you'll quickly notice is not a single mention of a, of a, of a, of a false positive. Of course not. Even though that's a pretty binary, obvious reality. If there are false negatives, then there can be false positives. If there are false positives, there can be false negatives. But the point that this is getting at is, well, just keep testing until you get what you want. Does that? I mean, how is that possibly where we are? Are there really people that stupid that are going to? Yes, there are, and they are doing this, and they're continuing to flood the testing. Test, test, test. Case demic, case demic. So it's only fitting to do a reality check on what those rapid tests, also called antigen tests, can do. And we've shown you the studies very clearly. They have a potential for false positives, like anything else. Now it says some people report having negative antigen test results for days. Okay, so otherwise a negative test. Okay, despite having a known COVID exposure. Okay, so they believe they got sick. So you got these, these, uh, I'm blanking on the term again. Um, dang it, guys, we're blanking all my terms today. You know, when somebody's a hypochondriac, there we go. So you have a hypochondriac who's super worried about everything and wiping everything down. And so what are they going to think? Well, I brushed past someone's arm yesterday, so I'm probably sick. So that's their mind. Okay. And the telltale symptoms, which of course could obviously be psychosomatic or you could just have a cold. So either way, the point is, or, you know, or you could have what they say you have. The point is that you got people who think that they're sick and probably, and look, let's not forget people who've gotten injections are being proven to have continued symptoms. There's new studies showing the whole long COVID at the very least is also being caused by the injections. I believe it's entirely that, but that's another conversation. The point is you have people who are continuing to be, have symptoms who then take these tests and as they're being told, test over and over and over and over until they get a positive. They go, I knew it. I knew it. I knew I'm sick. You see how that works? Think about how crazy and dangerous that is. It says eventually they test positive, but it can sometimes take as long as a week. So ask yourself how many tests that they took during that week time frame. A week over and over until they just so happen to get one of the many possible false positives. And then they go, oh, I knew it. I knew it. Okay, so why don't you test, test, test again until you get a negative after that? Isn't that the same game? You see, you're testing for what you want to find. Many factors could make it, <clears throat> excuse me, seem as though home tests are taking longer to register a positive result. <laughs> I mean, this is incredible that people are taking this as if this, this is the simple game. People who want to find a test positive will continue to test until they get tested positive acting like it's taking longer, maybe because you're not sick. But Bard says perhaps the biggest factor, <clears throat> excuse me, is human error. After all, people are doing these tests at home and make mistakes and aren't trained like those. Okay, so there are false positives too. Not a single mention of this entire thing. And while on average people will get a positive antigen test, uh, antigen test result around the same time, around the time they become infectious, Bard says it's important to remember that there will always be plenty of people on either side of that average. Those who test positive much earlier than those who, than most, 
okay, the people then that you could potentially say got a false positive, right? I don't even feel sick. I've never been outside my whole life. Got a positive though, right out of the gate, must be sick. Okay, why wouldn't you test just again to make sure? Because it, positive is for sure on their side. And those who test positive much later, meaning you test again and again and again and again until you finally get a positive. Okay, so what is that if not showing you that these tests are a complete manipulation? But all they're doing is go, is it time for a reality check? All they're really saying is keep testing, though. Just keep doing it until you get what you want. Here is the BMJ pointing out, and we've already actually read this one, that are drug regulators for hire. June 29th, 2022. The crux of the point is yes, <laughs> very clearly. Ask six leading regulators, Australia, Canada, Europe, Japan, and UK, and US in these different areas, a series of questions about their funding, transparency, and their decision-making, and the rate at which new drugs are approved. We found that industry money permeates the globe's leading regulators raising questions about their independence, or more specifically, literally showing that they do not have independence, especially in the wake of a string of drug and device scandals. Yep, yeah, so that's not working. So regulators don't work. The tests aren't working. The, the, uh, the risk from COVID in general was never even there. And now in Europe's perspective, public's taken for a ride. The EU has yielded to commercial interest over COVID vaccines, according to the NGO, is trying to hold them accountable. You don't realize how clear all this is. The government has been caught. I mean, they just haven't admitted that yet, and they're trying to let the steam out in every possible way. This is ridiculous. The agreement signed between the European Commission and pharmaceutical companies to roll out the COVID injections offered significant long-term benefits to the corporations involved to the detriment of public health and global security, according to NGOs. You know, the people that they tell us we're supposed to trust when it's in something else, it's a different context, right? When the NGOs are calling out the government, well, they're all completely taken over by something else, of course, until they later point out something they like and they go, well, you shouldn't question it. You see how the game goes. Now, the point is, you shouldn't trust these NGOs, but it's interesting that they're finding this example and pointing it out. Again, that makes me question whether it's part of an engineered direction. Quote, private interest exerted undue influence over European policymakers during the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, shocking. It's like that every single time, resulting in a crying lack of transparency on publicly funded vaccine contracts. We all know that now, which left the public with more questions than answers. And while that was happening, while we didn't know what was going on, they were forcing it in children's arms. Two reports released on Thursday and authored by Global Health Advocates and Stop AIDS, a UK-based nonprofit, accused the EU's executive of redacting contracts with pharmaceutical companies and accompanying industry requests on such things as pricing, oh, excuse me, accommodating industry requests on such things as pricing, intellectual property, and confidentiality requirements in a bid to quickly roll out the vaccines for its population. Right. And again, whether or not they were that dense to think that this was the right thing to do, you know, to skip all the safety measures for companies that have lied and been caught lying endlessly for your safety or they're a part of the scam. It's a, it doesn't really matter at this point. They're accountable either way. They deserve to be held accountable for this complete. This is a catastrophe. You know, the, that's the right word for those that didn't, the, you know, it's a criminal act for those that were aware. It's a catastrophe, catastrophe for everybody else. It was. It says this was despite the fact that some of those confidentiality requirements weren't consistent with their own legislation. So there's the point. <clears throat> so let's not pretend for one second that the EU and the regulators and the people involved in the government didn't know that. You're literally allowing agreements that challenge your own legislation. That means you're breaking the law. Are they going to go to jail? I can almost promise you that's not going to happen. 
quote, with an unaccountable driver, the public were taken for a ride. This is how it looks to pretend like they let you know after the fact. How often does this happen? Looking back, here's what happened. And you're going to see as we go through this that they're going to they're going to blame people, but they're going to act like it was just a, they did the best with what we had. How long have we been telling you that's going to happen? That it wasn't that we maliciously tried to rob you. It's that we got taken advantage of by companies trying to profit. And that's what happens in a pandemic. That's how this is going to happen. Quote, so from the first contracts, basically the commission outsourced transparency, meaning they will give you what the company tells you we can give you. You are in a situation where the company decides. Yeah, you know, Pfizer, the company that's been caught lying and paid out billions in fines for breaking the law, for lying about what vaccines can do, you know, like that's relevant. O'Reilly said then the commissioner, uh, the commission's answer, quote, leaves the regrettable impression of an EU institution that is not forthcoming on matters of significant public interest. (gasps) Could you hear the collective gasp? You mean like they always do that we're all very aware? Yes, this is just saying what we all somehow knew somewhere or many of us were admitting, but many people just seems like everybody knows this. The joke I often make. Right. How do you know a politician's lying? Their lips are moving. <laughs> we all laugh and then go right back and trusting the person on the side we're supposed to listen to. Think about that. We know they're liars. We know they're manipulators. We just choose the flavor of our side sometimes or those lost in the paradigm. That is. Well, this, this brings us to the Wall Street Journal article. Shout out to Ozzy 17 for sharing this. And I just think this is staggering to me that where we're at now. Realize, guys, this is what I've been saying about this booster and the program from the beginning. Except, well, they're saying part of what I've been saying. The point is, this is the reality. Not only have they lied about the campaign, but the boosters themselves, the shot, excuse me, the injections themselves and the shots in general. They're all the same. They are dangerous. They are ineffective. And they are creating all sorts of problematic things that we can barely even define right now. In everyone's bodies or a lot of people's bodies. But I say everyone because I do believe that these things have lasting effects. And I mean, that's not my opinion, guys. This is everything I'm saying about this stuff is backed up by scientific studies, peer viewed, most of them. As Ozzy points out, wait, what? Today's Wall Street Journal opinion, the deceptive campaign for bivalent COVID boosters. Did Pfizer miss the monthly payment? They ask. Attach a one minute clip in the next tweet in case you don't want to waste time reading these. You can see, oh, they're just making a joke. But the point is here, you can see the case for COVID booster shots is strong, they say, back here at this point. Then, and this one was uh, 2021, September, August 5th, 2021. Could the COVID vaccine and others prevent Alzheimer's? Right? Not only are they doing the best thing ever since sliced bread for COVID, they might even make you live forever. They could solve Alzheimer's. And then we come to this point, the deceptive campaign for Bible. So what does that show you? Is this the same thing that we've talked about before with at with Scott and and uh, Adams and and uh, my God, my brain today. I don't know why I'm forgetting the most basic Ben Shapiro. Right where they just go, we were lied to. Right, that's what this appears to be. Okay, well, why were you deceived about the campaign, Wall Street Journal? Clearly, going the case is strong for these same things you now see were a lie. Why? Well, because you weren't a journalist, because you didn't do what a journalist would do, which is question what you're being handed by the CDC, question what the FDA is saying, question it, look at the source material like we're going to do in a moment. Because then you would have seen what we've been yelling. My point is the Wall Street Journal, the rest of them, whether they know it or not, were never in that game. They were being handed information and they were dutifully showing you what they were supposed to show you. Now, for whatever reason, this is being slowly collapsed. 
I don't really know why exactly. I mean, I have my opinions, but I'll let you guys decide for yourself. January 22nd. The deceptive campaign for bivalent COVID boosters. Studies show they fail to live up to their promise, but vaccine makers and experts keep pushing them. Interesting conflict. Just wait till we get to the next stuff. Like this is the contrast to what the corporate discussion is, at least in the Wall Street Journal. It says, you might have heard a radio advertisement warning that if, you're, if you've had COVID, you could get it again and experience even worse symptoms. The message sponsored by the HHS, of all people, claims that updated bivalent vaccines will improve your protection. I'll get to the, I'll come back to this in a moment before we get into the next discussion down the line about the HHS in general, about how they're literally undermining and questioning what, the, what, what NIH is doing with this entire program, but apparently here it's okay. This is deceptive advertising. Just so it's clear, they're literally telling you that these bivalent vaccine, vaccines will not, injections will not improve your protection because they won't. At the very least, they're saying that what they said there was deceptive. That is not what anybody else is saying. And if you say this in the public sphere right now, people will call you conspiracy theorist. But the public health establishment's praise for the bivalent shots shouldn't come as a surprise. Federal agencies took the unprecedented step of ordering vaccine makers to produce them and recommending them without data supporting their safety or efficacy. I mean, think about that statement right there. Shouldn't that be a huge scandal? If, if I mean, think about what they just said. They're literally telling you it was deceptive. That means lie. Dishonest. Right? They're telling you that they, the companies, that are the, the federal agencies said, make these shots. They produced them, and then they pushed them without seeing whether they were safe or effective. We're clearly seeing the, the fallout from that. And it says it right there, written by the Wall Street Journal. Not that that means it's true, does it? But that's supposed to mean that for people that play that the mainstream is the you know reliable source game. It's pretty incredible. Now it says the idea of updating mRNA COVID shots. And it was, by the way, it's only incredible because it's being stated there. We've been saying this from the very beginning based on science, information around this, real world and otherwise. The idea of updating mRNA COVID shots every season originally held promise, which, by the way, again, was always the plan. Not even original, not even updating them the way that we're used to, but literally changing the genetic sequence without safety trials, which is the, that's the future direction they're going in. That's what they just did with the bivalent, and they're still pushing that, even though it has completely it's right. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute in regard to the, the variants and so on. They're still pushing that we should be using the, all they did recently was update from Wuhan to all bivalent. So we're still three steps behind. It doesn't even matter though. It's just about keeping you in line with this direction. One advantage of mRNA technology is that manufacturers can tweak the genetic sequence and rapidly produce new vaccines targeting new variants. Yeah, but they're not safe though. And they're hurting people. And regardless of whether they even have a clinical response, the first question is, are they the right response? They don't seem to care about that. Then ask yourself whether or not they have a high response. What about all the side effects that nobody wants to pretend is there? All the, all the more than myocarditis, more than stroke, which by the way, they just shouted down as not being there, but we'll show you yet again, more examples of that again, still happening. Even a major article discussing a literal verified case of a stroke being caused by the injection and them discussing how they're not being helped by the government. And that's in a corporate article. But the point is they just came out and said, nope, nope, no safety signal. Borla just said, we looked into it. There's nothing there. No problems. So they pretend like there is no other problem. As long as the only risk in their minds is COVID. You know, this big phantom we're talking about. So as long as they can argue that that's not a problem, well, then you're safe. It's good even though they admit it causes myocarditis, and on and on and on. 
Hence, the bivalent booster is targeting the BA4, BA5 variants along with the original strain, which, by the way, has never made any sense. According to their narrative, that doesn't exist right now. That's not circulating. So at best, you're creating a situation where you're producing antibodies for something you don't need, which comes along with the risk of antibody-dependent enhancement. But three scientific problems have arisen, it says. First, the virus is evolving much faster than the vaccine can be updated because of the injections, because of the game they're playing, because of their leaky, potentially on purpose vaccine. That's all very clear. You realize they're not even playing this game anymore about pretending it's only the unvaccinated causing variants or the pandemic of the unvaccinated. All these terms have just left because they've lost control of this. Second, vaccines have hardwired our immune systems to respond to the original strain. Think about what they just said right there. This is what we've been trying to show people. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly what's happened. That's them trying to make this What's This is your immune system being broken in very simple terms. We talked about lymphocytopenia, the dysregulation of your immune system. This is what we're talking about in one type. One, one, the bottom line is there's a lot of different ways this is hurting your immune system. We've talked about the IgG3 and IgG4. We've talked about a lot of different things that are happening all simultaneously, seemingly. But what they're simply going is, well, they've hardwired your immune system. Okay, why is that a good thing? Why is that what we should? So that means they've ruined your body. So now what they're saying is you get a new thing and whether or not it's supposed to be safe and effective and works 100% of the time, it won't for you though, because your body's not responding properly as they talk about the uh, immune escape. Well, okay. So this is one thing that we were talking about, at least in part before, and we were all shouted down. People like Vert, Gert Vandenbosch and others were all oh, your fake news conspiracy there. It's amazing how continually this happens. The fake story of yesterday, 30 seconds later, is now the half-admitted story of today. It says, so we churn out fewer antibodies that neutralize variants targeted by updated vaccines. You know what? Don't do that. What never has done that? Natural immunity. As we continue to show that it continues, according to the most recent up-to-date science.org study, including into Omicron land, that you most likely make variants of antibodies to variants of concern as going forward. And that is if you got sick in the beginning and you've never taken any injections. It's a dwindling number right now, but those exist. Two studies in the New England Journal of Medicine this month showed that bivalent boosters increase neutralizing antibodies against BA4 and 5 variants, but not significantly more than the original boosters. Oh, great. So you're giving yourself something that creates some sort of response to Wuhan, which you shouldn't want. Then it creates some kind of dwindling response to these two things, which aren't here while you're dealing with XBB, they tell you. And that's supposed to be a good thing. And it's not even as meant, it says significantly, not significantly more than the original booster. So you're getting a diminished response along with all the problems for things that you don't need right now. But they're still giving people those shots right there. It says the authors posit that immune imprinting, excuse me, that's what it was, immune imprinting, may pose a greater challenge than is currently appreciated. Now, it says this isn't unique to COVID or mRNA vaccines, though, though boosters may amplify the effect. And this is an important point because we've shown, we've shown that they knew this was a problem. They knew this was a problem. They knew it was possible. Then they knew it was happening and they lied to everybody. This is continually shown by a lot of these high level people that are breaking this stuff down. Don't forget, guys, the most obvious is that the phase three trial data of Pfizer's own trial, when reviewed again, was like the diametric opposite of what they showed you. It goes from one in every two million to one in 800. Serious adverse events. There's no lying, but there's no hiding that. So they lied. Either they are the most incompetent scientists on the planet and just stumbled into getting the complete opposite number, 
or they lied to you and hovered up the fact that these things were going to hurt people and then proceeded to force them on everybody. I don't know what you call that, if not sinister. That's peer-reviewed science. That was one of the high-level people involved with it who has now changed his tune and said, I can't recommend these for anybody. The author's posit uh, says that it's not unique to these um, these specific shots. <clears throat> it says, as the University of Pennsylvania, uh, Paul Offit explains in a New England Journal of Medicine article. Remember, Paul Offit was the one pushing back to some degree in the FDA conversations about why these bivalent boosters should have been used at all. He said there's no reason. He argued these things were not the right. They were they didn't have enough information that he was blown away. They even went past their the, the group. And, and yet that's not enough to shock people. Previously vaccinated people who received the bivalent were primed to respond to the Wuhan strain and mounted an inferior antibody response to other variants. That is your body being broken. That is your immune system being broken by genetic therapy. The study's finding contradict November press releases from Pfizer and Moderna, who at the time asserted their bivalent shots produced a response to BA4 and 5 variants four to six times that of the original boosters, which, by the way, was shown to be a lie, or they magically found this somehow in a study that nobody else could reproduce. You starting to get the picture? They're lying to you, like they always have, and that keeps getting proven, and guess what? New contracts, new funding, more vaccines. Let's do them all. Let's do everything for Pfizer and Moderna. That's where we are. Don't remember in the beginning where we kept telling you Pfizer and Moderna, that was the next step, for sure. All the rest of it was window dressing, and look at where we are. These claims are misleading, according to Wall Street Journal. Neither vaccine maker conducted a randomized trial. Think about how dumb that is, where they're the ones shouting people down. It's a preprint. That's not a random controlled trial. And here they are all holding on for dear life to Pfizer and Moderna's own not randomized trials that have now been shown to be false. The vaccine makers designed their studies to get the results they wanted. Does this sound familiar? Public health authorities didn't raise an eyebrow. But why would they? They have a vested interest in promoting the bivalence. This is incredible to me. This is being written right now by the corporate media. And we just found out yesterday into the day that the FDA and everybody else is moving forward with this exact thing. With specifically bivalence, specifically mRNA, specifically the platform versions for flu and COVID. The FDA ordered the vaccine makers in June to update the boosters, the brand new shots, against BA4 and 5. Remember, they took the data from BA1 and Wuhan. They then used that for the next thing, for BA4 and 5. No human trials. Now understand, now they're going, but now we're going to use that one for the XBB stuff too. So we're like three or four times removed with no human trials. You know why? Because they're trying to act, this is what they want you to be comfortable with. Because they never, the, the plan was always to put in new genetic sequence, no safety trials, pump out the new thing, because they already did them in the beginning. I mean, that's literally what they're all arguing. We're going to come back to this in a second from the Herald, showing you that what they're arguing is that they don't need to do this stuff even worry about pre neonatal deaths because, well, we demonstrated safety in the beginning. That's literally what these people are holding on to. It's mind-blowing. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommended the bivalence for all adults without any evidence that they were effective or needed. <laughs> My God. Okay. Well, just in case you were thinking, gee, Ryan, that sounds very familiar to something we've talked about a lot. Let's bring this back to the beginning. The same one that I talked about all the way back in the beginning, which is why we knew this entire time, not only would they not stop transmission, but they never were designed to. Remember that? We talked about this in 2020. 
We talked about Tal Zaks in 2021 for Moderna admitting that was the case. And then only once some weird exchange from member of parliament in Europe and some weird became, oh, breaking news, they just admitted this. Well, no, it's always been there. Yeah, they lied about it. But why is it that it's such a controlled flow of information? So here it is again happening. Here we are again. Wall Street Journal telling you this is the plan or this is the the questions to be asking. It's deceptive and they're lying and it's not safe. And it's not okay. I mean, I don't know if they said it like that, but why is that happening now? I believe we're doing dealing with a similar thing again. Here's what happened all the way back in 2020. Realize how incredible this is to go all the way back to this and show you they knew this then. We were trying to tell you then. Not because Forbes said it, but because we looked at what was being written. We looked at the actual safety data. We looked at the trial information, at least what was publicly available at the time. And we saw the same thing. It says, what would a normal vaccine trial look like? Prevention of infection must be a critical endpoint. It wasn't. Prevention of infection is not a criterion for success of any any of these COVID injections in 2020. Explain that. The only difference being the severity of symptoms between the vaccinated and unvaccinated. Look at that, guys. That's what they act like we need to do now because it just didn't work. No, that was the plan. That's what they literally planned to do. That's why they only now say, well, it would have been worse. It's not what you were promised. They knew they were lying when they first promised you everything they said. Measuring Differences amongst only those infected by SARS-CoV-2 underscores the implicit conclusion that the vaccines are not expected to prevent infection, only modify symptoms of those infected. Let me read that again. The thing that breaking news in 2022, measuring differences amongst those infected by SARS-CoV-2 underscores the implicit conclusion that the vaccines are not expected to prevent infection like a psychic almost we all expect an effective vaccine he writes to prevent serious illness if infected three of the vaccine protocols moderna pfizer and astrazeneca do not require their that their vaccine prevent serious disease only that they prevent moderate symptoms which may be as mild as a cough or a headache the reason they pretend it stops hospitalization and death is simply observational real world they say despite the opposite being true this is easy to look this up. This is the reality going back to all of their, And this is why the review of their actual studies that I just talked about shows the opposite of what they're saying. We are all in a massive manipulation right now. It's this clear as I've ever seen in my life. It's right in front of you. And the only difference, if you don't think it's there is you're just not looking at it. There's no denying the data that comes off Pfizer's own documentation. Or at the very least that that's what they wrote down. They, they could be lying. The point is that they are on the record now being caught for lying from the very beginning the government's involved is the point and that's why nothing's happening do not require so all they wanted to do was reduce moderate to mild symptoms guys the greatest fear people have is dying from this disease the vaccine must significantly or entirely reduce deaths from COVID-19 over 200,000 people have died in the United States so the narrative goes and nearly a million worldwide none list mortality as a critical endpoint none how is it even possible when this is the beginning because they never intended this to be the case, guys. Vaccine efficacy is typically proved by large clinical trials over several years. The pharmaceutical companies intend to do trials ranging from 30,000 to 60,000 participants. The scale of study would be sufficient. That that scale would be sufficient for testing vaccine efficacy. The first surprise he found out upon closer reading of the protocols reveals that each study intends to complete interim and primary analyses at most, including 164 participants. Now, we talked about this all the way back in the beginning. Now, yes, things happened more so after this, but this was the beginning and all they actually needed to accomplish to get these in people's arms, including your children. 
These companies likely intend to apply. Look at this. He's psychic, isn't he? For emergency use authorization. How did he know that? With their limited preliminary results. Now, it's not hard to see that this is where they were going. My point is it was all laid out there. In-term analysis, success requires a 70% efficacy. The vaccine or placebo will be given to thousands of people in each trial. For Moderna, the in-term analysis and the initial in-term analysis will be based on the results of infection of only 53 people. Moderna's success margin for is for 13 or less of those 53 to develop symptoms compared to 40 or more in their control group. And don't forget, even the control group didn't even use a saline. They used a meningitis injection, I believe. Pfizer is even smoked with, by the way, that is a game the same way. And also don't forget that after all of this, they then gave the injection to all the people in the control group because they were moral imperative, just like Del Big Tree told you they would. And what they do, they effectively destroyed the control group, except they didn't expect us to be holdouts. So now we are the control group and we're proving in real time what's really going on. Pfizer is even smaller in its success requirements. Their initial group includes 32 vaccine recipients with a success margin of seven or less developing symptoms. That's it, guys. In this original discussion, that's all they needed to do. And it was mild to moderate. That's it. It says there is every chance that they intend to pursue emergency use authorization and focus on manufacturing the vaccine rather than further thorough testing. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. Instead of more testing, they went right to manufacturing. Why? Because we're all going to die. We got to do it quick. As always, doing unsafe things for your safety. It says a careful reading reveals that the minimum qualification for a case of COVID-19 was simply a positive PCR test and one or two mild symptoms, such as headache, fever, cough, nausea. That's it. So you would all you would need was a slight headache and a PCR test, a little bit of cough and a PCR test. That's all. These vaccine trials are testing to prevent common cold symptoms. You, it, now we can look back more than ever and see the scam. This was all, everything under the sun that, in, invol, that fell in this category right here was being called COVID-19. One or more of the immediate questions a trial needs to answer is whether a vaccine prevents infection. Again, he puts this in the article. These trials all clearly focus on eliminating symptoms of COVID-19 and not infection themselves. It appears that all the pharmaceutical companies assume the vaccine will never prevent infection. This guy writes about this stuff for a living, understand? And the point is that what they're saying there is all of them. Right. You mean all four companies that magically succeed at the exact same time when nobody would ever done it before? Because that totally makes sense. And every single one of them went in the exact same direction and achieved the same endpoints. And come on, guys. I mean, we can't be this dense. I know you're not. None list the prevention of death and hospitalization as a critical important barrier, even though they now cite that as the main two things they stop. Makes sense, right? If total infections, hospitalizations, and death are going to be ignored in the preliminary trials of these vaccines, which they were, then there must be phase four testing to monitor their safety and efficacy, which there's not. This happening in your body right now. This would be long-term, massive-scale monitoring of the vaccine. Where were we? There it is. Uh, there must be an indication that the authorized vaccines are reducing infection, hospitalization, and death, or else they will not be able to stop the pandemic. And guess what? They didn't, and they don't. It boggles the mind and defies common sense that the NIH and the CDC and the NIAID and the rest of the world can, and, and the rest would consider the approval of a vaccine or emergency authorization that would be distributed to hundreds of millions of people on such slender threads of success. 
My God, it appears that these trials are intended to pass the lowest possible barrier of success. It is clear from these studies that the vaccines currently in a trial will not be the silver bullet needed to end the pandemic. You know why? Because it wasn't intended to be, guys. I mean, my God, what more do we need to see? And it's not, this isn't just this one article and prove everything, but when taken in conjunction with everything else we're looking at, what else do we really need to see? That's clear at the very least that this guy saw what we weren't supposed to see until today or however it works. Now, just as I wrote about this article when I first saw it, the Wall Street Journal article, I said, just like Scott Adams' admission, this isn't the admission it seems to be, guys. It's a fraction of the truth along with outright lies in hopes that you take this and stop looking further or asking questions. The main crux of the point, as it says here, it, uh, oh, oh, this right here, the main crux of the point of this article, remember? is there's a growing consensus that we need better vaccines and treatments to protect. All that's good. All this is meant to do is give you a little bit of a release valve and say, oh, well, we see it. We see it. They're wrong. But what we need is them to do the same thing better. No, we don't need the same criminals and liars to make more deceitful vaccines and campaigns. We need choice and a lack. I mean, we, we just need everybody to be able to make their own choices and the government not being able to take things away and force things in your body. <laughs> Very clear. But the point is, this is meant to justify the same direction by, by letting you think that they're seeing it too. That's how this works. That's why I talk about the release valve, limited hangout. That's what these things are, in my opinion. Now here, after everything we just discussed, even the Wall Street Journal telling you these things are not what they add up to be. And by the way, I don't have it all listed again today, but don't forget all of the peer-reviewed science that we've shown you. The study showing you that the bivalents specifically have a dramatically higher incidence of severe adverse events. That is death, hospitalization, and uh, permanent disability by and large. Dramatically higher. We show you that it, your immune system collapses in much more severe ways. We show you that the, the overall everything we've talked about, antibody-dependent enhancement, all the risks of myocarditis, all of it is worse Less effective, worse side effects. That's, that is what the peer-reviewed science and the preprints are saying about these right now. And we have the Wall Street Journal even going, well, these things aren't even, they're lying about these things. And yet here is what you're going to get on the advertisements. And realize, guys, that this advertisement with Martha Stewart says literally nothing about the side effects. Because, you know, informed consent, right? As, the, as Rage Against the Vaccine points out, like all the other commercials, because they're lying to you. You know that unwelcome guest everyone wishes would just leave already? That's COVID-19. That's why I got the new updated booster designed to help protect against recent Omicron variants. Got it. Schedule your new updated booster. Right. So they're not they're not even telling people. Make sure. Yeah, Pfizer Biotech. Check eligibility. They're not even telling people all what they need to know at all. Not even remotely. Now, and the point is you go into the, the Walgreens. They don't tell you that either. Blank inserts with no information. They don't tell you about antibody-dependent enhancement, despite peer-reviewed science saying that that was de that, that, uh, near demanding that needed to be done. Otherwise, they're not needing form consent. In 2020, still hasn't happened. You, are you, really, you believe they're telling people that it causes myocarditis and strokes and blood clots? Even if it's 0.01%, it's still possible. They're still required to inform you. They're not. Here, she's just telling you to get boosted. Even though these things are not 
safe or effective. I mean, it blows me away. Schedule your new updated booster today. Are they telling people it's bivalent? Are they, they're, all, they're, all they're letting you think is that it's just the same thing you got and it's just another one. They're playing on the ignorance of the average person. That is the opposite of informed consent. That is intentionally withholding information so you don't know what you're getting. It's criminal, guys. Now, here is James Sintolo pointing out, uh, new Governor Kathy Holzer refuses to rehire healthcare workers fired for refusing COVID vaccination that also have natural immunity, despite the crisis level shortages that that caused and vaccine mandates that were overturned. Think about how wild that is. So here's this is the trust the science gone. You know, this is the, the point is that this is her drunk on power. Has nothing to do with what's safe or effective or scientific. It doesn't matter because all the points are that's all been moved, right? So the vaccine mandates were overturned. The crisis level is obviously causing more than anything else when people can't treat anything else. And they've got natural immunity, which scientific studies are showing are more effective. If, if I mean, and yet she just goes, nope, nope, I'm not going to because COVID and, and I'm in control. These people are lunatics and they're hurting people. Our healthcare systems seem in desperate need of staff right now. Uh, we've had ambulances waiting five hours at our local emergency rooms to unload wow. patients. The hospitals, the nursing homes say they're waiting for DOH guidance on whether they can hire any of those workers back. What's the latest with that? Well, we're considering all our options with respect to the litigation, so I can't comment on that. But I'll say that last year in my state of the state, we put forth a plan to help retention, also recruitment. And a lot of those programs are just unfolding out $20 billion to bring back the health care system, including bonuses. for Right. So money, more money coming out of your pocket because of what they did. Right. And realize these are people that were fired while they had natural immunity for taking something that's now been shown to not even be effective to what's happening. On top of the fact that the COVID-19 risk is pales in comparison to even the flu. So what are we actually talking about? Oh, and don't forget, it doesn't stop transmission, which is the only reason this kind of thing even makes sense. What is she holding on to? Power. Assisting workers, helping settle nursing strikes, which I get very involved in to make sure that uh, patients are being cared for. It's a problem, but I don't think the answer is to make, have someone who comes in who's sick be exposed to someone who can give them the coronavirus. Okay, so who's sick in this equation? Are you assuming the people who don't have vaccines are just always sick? Or are you pretending that should they get sick, that somehow the injection would have stopped that from being transmitted? Neither of those make sense. These people, I mean, that's my point from before. Is she that lost in holding on to the 2020 narrative that she doesn't even realize how that she's completely being the current corporate level information showing she's wrong? Or, or is she part of the, is she lying to you because she, the agenda is to maintain that narrative? I mean, I, it's up to you to decide. Either way, think about how scary that is. The people that are making choices for other people's lives are this completely lost or this dishonest. Give them COVID-19. I don't know that that's the right answer. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not. So we're exploring our options. But I think everybody who goes into a healthcare facility or a nursing home should have the assurance and their family members should know that we have taken all steps to protect the public health. And that includes making sure those who come in contact with them at their time of most vulnerability, when they are sick or elderly, will not pass on the virus. We lost 34 New Yorkers yesterday. We have 4,000 active cases. This has not gone away as much as we wish it would. What's this weird focus on the elderly? That doesn't even make sense what you said right there, the sick or the elderly. Like, so the, so the elderly are automatically concerned, concerning? Like, the point is, in, in New York, 
specifically. The overfocus on the elderly became the central hot point for all of the numbers in the very beginning. Don't forget that just the nursing homes just in New York were a gigantic, I don't want to misquote it, but in the beginning, the, pers- the, the, the percentage of how many people were dying in those groups were overwhelmingly focused in just New York. And then, of course, that got averaged out across the country, which made it seem like it was a problem everywhere. All part of the game. Wouldn't there be other safety precautions, masking, other other mechanisms in order to allow some of them back in? I mean, we're at crisis level here in our... Right, you know, the masks that don't stop, that aren't statistically significant reducing transmission, so that makes no sense at all. And in fact, actually increase your risk of infection and spreading other things like pneumonia and so on that we've already talked about, but those don't matter. Right. It's just narrative. Can't you just give them a fan, a safety blanket over their face to make them feel better? And then we can go back to work. Hospitals I in understand the balance. I, I truly understand the challenge and the balance. And these are never easy decisions. But I cannot <laughs> put people into harm's way because when you go into a healthcare facility, you expect that you're not going to come out sicker than you went in. I think that. Oh, do you know? Except that's the literal opposite of the country that we live in. Right. In fact, the leading one of the leading causes of death in this country is, in fact, medical treatment. Think, square that one. Even for, I mean, my God, can imagine what it is today. Like, I guarantee those numbers are never going to catch up right now. The idea of you add in what happened in New York and the nursing homes and the hospitals. I mean, I guarantee you at this point, leading cause of death in a general sense is probably medical treatment. I mean, add on all the injections and you guarantee it, guys. I mean, my God, the point is what she's saying is nothing else matters no matter what. Literally nothing else. As long as we can pretend that what you're doing stops the phantom COVID, then we're safe. Right. But if you're not pretending acting like you're stopping the phantom COVID, then everything is not safe. Nothing else factors in. No other illnesses, no other problems. That's it. Because this is a person drunk on power. I don't believe someone could actually think that makes sense. But you hold on to this and you hold on to your power no matter what. Same point here. This is absolutely mind blowing. We already talked about this in the past. Expert review into mystery spike in Scott's baby deaths begins. Right. So that what that seems like is they're looking in to find out what's going on way down at the bottom. They they secondarily admit what we already told you before is that, well, we're not even going to look into the vaccine side of this because we already know that's not it. I mean, this this is we live in a cartoon. Uh, The fact that they can even make sense of that argument. And don't forget that that's what they already said on the record. They said, look, when when put to the task, they said, look, this is a problem. Neonatal deaths are through the roof and nobody knows why. So they, the people said, look into the vaccine. They put, back, they put a statement out and says, we're not going to look into it because of X, Y, and Z. Now they're coming out and saying, we're going to look into it officially now. But they make very clear, any link to the COVID vaccines has already been ruled out. Why? On the basis of international evidence demonstrating their safety in pregnancy. Right. Even though that's literally the opposite of what I keep showing you. That right now, their own current information says that we don't know if it's safe. If I can get this to open. Just include this tweet as usual so you guys can see it. That their own documentation as of right now still says no data are available regarding the safety of these during pregnancy. Hmm, that's quite contradictory. But apparently they're saying, by the way, what they're talking about is the same point they make. Well, look at how many people it's been given to. Clearly nothing's wrong, so it's safe. But it is wrong, and we can all see it. But they're either shielding their eyes or they're too stupid to see it. The bottom line is they're saying, based on the international evidence demonstrating that they're safe in pregnant people, despite the fact they still say we don't know that, we're not even going to look into the vaccine. You know, despite the fact that the vaccine could literally cause this in 15,000 different ways that they've already admitted to, super rare, fine. 
it's not even true. But the point is that it's possible. And yet all they can say is we're not even going to look at it. But Public Health Scotland confirmed that it had not checked the vaccination status of any of the mothers. Why? Because we don't because fake news, right? Because fake news, because you're crazy. We're not even going to look at it. Yeah. How about that? Like, this is like my ball. I'm going home. Think about how insane it is to not even consider, not even investigate that because politics. I wonder what they're going to find. The excess death is everywhere. Now, here is the FDA discussion. USA Today puts this out. Vaccine panel to consider annual COVID shots. Here's what they know. It says the FDA on Thursday is asking an expert advisory panel. That was yesterday to consider how often people should get boosted against COVID and what those boosters should look like. Anybody going to be anybody questioning right now what they're going to find? Anybody out there going, they're probably going to say you're good forever. No more. We're done. Obviously not. Like, does anybody actually out there questioning whether that might have been possible? (laughs) You know what they're going to do. Yes, we want boosters every single year forever. Remember when that was conspiracy theory? It's just amazing how this goes. The Biden administration has already recommended that young, healthy people get boosted every single year, just like the flu shot, you know, because the White House is usually the one you listen to for scientific and medical advice. See, even though they seem to be saying things, which then all the rest of them follow suit, which is typically showing you politics, guiding science or dragging science by the neck. The FDA is looking for the experts take on that recommendation, as well as providing twice annual boosters for people who are immune compromised. I keep pointing this out or of over a certain age to increase their chances of avoiding a potentially dangerous infection. You realize I keep, they keep saying that we all need to get injected to create herd immunity, to protect the most at risk. Okay. But that doesn't make sense. If the most at risk are the ones that you're focusing on first, think about how crazy that is. They're saying the immune compromised, the elderly and the children need to be protected so we all need to get injected, but that would imply that they don't get them because they're in danger. That used to be the logic. Immune compromise, you don't give the injections to because their body's not. Well, today it's the complete inverse. So who exactly are we protecting? Nobody. It's all narrative and games. It's all it's mirrors and shadows, guys. We are being played. So what the point is, those very people that, one, we don't know it's safe for, and two, have worse problem immune reaction to these things, give them two of them instead. Two of the bivalent shots that are actually hurting people more. Because that makes sense, right? Also on this, don't forget the, uh, oh, is this one actually. Oops. Oh, that was the link right there. Either way, the point is, it says the same thing on all this stuff, on everything they're talking about. Right here it says, you know, use in pregnancy, as I just showed you, the safety profile is not known. But then more specifically, use in immunocompromised patients. The very people they're saying to give two of them to, the safety profile is not known <laughs> in these people. I mean, I just can't get over how crazy that is. And then specifically use in frail patients with comorbidities. That means elderly people. There's limited information on safety. But let's give it to them first because they're in danger? From what? The injection? Well, the point is focus on them. The FDA is looking to give them first shots to increase their chances of avoiding a potentially dangerous infection, even though what you're giving them is far more dangerous than what you're saying is there. Now, it says in an all-day meeting Thursday, which will be webcast live with a lot of people posting clips on. I've got a few of them. The committee will also consider simplifying the, comp- the composition of the injections and developing a process of selecting variants to be targeted with each round of shots. So guess what, guys? They're going to guess every year and pump these things out with multiple variants and just let you take it and hope it works out. That's exactly what happens right now with the flu. 
probably why we've got a lot of SIDS and SADS and all sorts of undefined things and strokes and heart attacks and cardiovascular issues being the leading cause. We just pretend we're normal before we actually started questioning what's going on. Thank God people are starting to question all of it. Because maybe that's what's been going on the entire time. I'm not saying I could prove that, but it's certainly possible. I do know that it plays a factor. And we've never before now been allowed to even ask these questions in a public setting because you're crazy. People are asking more questions today. Thank God. But when they say simplifying the composition, what they're talking about is getting rid of the thing that was never made, that never scientifically made sense to begin with. The Wuhan strain, if that's even what we're talking about. Now it says under timing, should we get annual shots? At least one modeling study suggests that annual boosters of COVID shots will prevent severe disease and minimize the spread of the virus. <laughs> Great. A study found that and they, loved, they made lots of funding for it too. If you take these shots all the time, well, you'll get better. Look at what just happened. How are you actually going to say that more of these same shots are going to do better for people with what the, look at the three years we just went through. And are you really going to pretend that the bivalent with the same strain they're giving people is going to make a difference when right now we're seeing that we're like three strains past that, if that's even what's happening? I mean, this is just absolute madness. They're hoping that people get so tired of this, they just fall back into place and just start taking like the flu shots. It says many Americans have skipped boosters because they were unsure whether they were eligible. Oh, is that why? You got to love their, their desperation. We, I was just confused. Am I eligible? Was it my time yet? I don't know. I'll just sit back because I don't know for sure. Or are we going, hell no, that's killing people and I'm not going to touch it. They want you to pretend like we were confused and we didn't know we were at time yet. I mean, really, after how many text messages and infomercials and signs and we're going to pretend like we just didn't know. <laughs> A simplified schedule, he said, will increase vaccination rates because it will hopefully make it easier. So you're just too stupid, America. You were just too dumb and you didn't know how to tie your shoes and get to the store. So we're just going to make it easy for you this time. I mean, my God. People got offered it a thousand times over and most of them said no, but got forced. It says, but there is little real world data to show that young, otherwise healthy people who've had at least three exposures to the virus. It's an interesting thing to say through vaccination or infection would benefit from additional shots. What does that see? This is so stupid. What they're trying to say, they're trying to conflate the idea of natural immunity to shots. You don't need three exposures well, first of all, I mean, it depends on, well, the bottom line is in any normal setting pre-COVID and the, what we used to understand, you get sick from something or rather just have an exposure where it actually ends up creating some kind of response, not necessarily getting outwardly sick to where you're aware of it because it can happen behind the scenes. Very small. But the point is you get natural immunity from that. You don't then get more and more and more. The point is the injections are breaking people's immune systems and they're essentially redefining immunity through that model. It says if you're over 60, absolutely you need to stay up to date. <laughs> oh, really? So the people that are hurting the most with these things need to take more of them. Got it. FDA wants to simplify the options. Like, this is the plug and play. Pick and grab. This is the game we keep, we keep making fun of this, the where they, they were telling you to get whichever shots you want. Mix and match. Why weren't the scientists laughing them out of town about that? It's dangerous. There were some of them on Newsweek were saying this is crazy. Not everybody, most of them fell in line. So same thing, what are your vaccine options? You know, which ones would you like to have? Let's pick your, your bargain bin variant batch. The FDA also recommended that all vaccines, both initial shots and boosters, address the same variants going forward. Yeah, duh. How about we realize that that, that was never, what was happening before was not because it made sense. Whether it was politics or some kind of experiment, it's ridiculous to pretend that they should keep using something that they knew, or at least they were saying outwardly, was not even present anymore. 
There's nothing about that that makes sense. And the, what they try to say in this article to make it make sense is, is it falls short. Right now, it says the primary series vaccines are aimed at only the original virus, while boosters are aimed at both the original BA4, no, just BA4, of Omicron, and it includes the Wuhan. Because remember, they keep lying about this. Its point is, I've shown you the studies. It was That's why it's bivalent. Wuhan and BA4. And they just argue it happens to have an eff- efficacy against BA4. I don't even believe that. Giving everyone the same type of shot will simplify the options. No. Nah. The point is they want to focus it on what it is now. And by the time they put those out in front of you, it'll be 30,000 steps later. Just like every other time we keep telling you. FDA suggests bivalent boosters are better. Realize, again, the bivalence that we just talked about, that all the studies are showing you, are dangerous. The FDA believes taking aim at at, at least two variants is better than one. Data from real-world studies suggest that bivalent mRNA booster vaccination provides, <laughs> I gotta love this, additional protection against symptomatic infection. Great. What's additional mean? 0.01%? 50%? you realize any increase would be additional protection. Believe me, they're playing this game. So studies suggest that it does something. Great. Give it to everybody. Emergency department, urgent care visits and hospitalizations, according to a 25-page report from the FDA. So their own study, right? Okay, shocking. The data keeps showing you that's not the case. Even their own studies from the beginning, which is not the bivalent, but it shows you that these things are based on the same model. It's not working. It's hurting people. The current boosters are composed of the original virus in case it reappeared that's not why. And the BA4 and 5 variant Omicron. Nope, just BA4. But I guess they don't know that, but they want to include these. The point is, in case it reappeared, great. So let's just make everyone, even these toddlers, make antibodies they don't need with more lipid nanoparticles and more mRNA and more spike protein just in case this thing comes back that we pretty much know is not going to go. Think about how crazy that is. That's not why it's happening. That's them trying to explain, in my opinion, why that was still included. And it only just now got discussed and said, yeah, we don't need that. Take that out of there. BA4 is virtually gone, and the original virus hasn't been seen for more than a year. Okay, that's the point. So right now, still, you realize BA4 is gone, the original gone, and they're now saying, here, we're going to give you a bivalent shot that is aimed at Wuhan and BA4. Or BA4 and 5, because that's what we're getting at. They're getting away from the Wuhan. Okay, but none of that still makes sense. The, I don't think... The, I don't even understand why they think people are going to go along with this. People, even on their, quote, side, are going, come on, guys, this doesn't make sense. So that either means an experiment or I don't think they can get out of their own way. Some are not convinced that original virus should continue to be part of the vaccine. You think? It's not the way they're writing this. If you watch the actual discussion, it's not like we think it's going. Why is that still there? This is not this should not be still part of this. It doesn't make any sense scientifically or otherwise. It says, quote, you're protecting protecting against something that is a low probability event. He's talking about the unlikely return of the original virus. And you're compromising what is, look, you're compromising what is with you. That's very clear. So by their adherence to the the doctrine and the gospel of this, they're hurting people even within their broken shot. Because they're still including something that is not necessary. And as he says, is compromising what you still do have. But it's taken this long for them to even have the conversation. This is not about science, guys. How the FDA wants to update annual COVID vaccines. The FDA is proposing a committee that would recommend, guess, variants for annual vaccines, typically in June, that will enable manufacturers to make doses available late September, just in time to get people boosted before a possible COVID surge in the holidays. You know, because we're right in that loop now. 
here it's COVID season again. Here we come. Just like flu season. I don't know why we ever bought flu season, guys. There are things that happen. I get it. But we're watching this game now start to become clear. So they're going to tell you it all makes sense because it's just like the flu. But if you would have tried to have this conversation before this and told people, you realize they're guessing at what goes in those flu shots. They have no idea if it's even what's happening. They're guessing before it happens. They would have called you crazy even though that's clearly what has been happening because they didn't understand that. Now we're starting to see through it, but now they're going to try to conflate the two things. They're going to tell you, don't worry, even though we just hurt a lot of people with these injections, we're going to guess based on what we're seeing, based on you know r- rapid and in sparse testing around the world, that it's going to be this one next time, or maybe these two. So we'll give you both of these. We're going to produce antibodies in your body based on a guess with lipid nanoparticles and mRNA, just to see what happens. And if it doesn't work out, okay, we'll wait till next year. And then I guess you get sick, but you also get even more hurt by the injection. Realize that every single component of this injection has already shown to hurt people. Lipid nanoparticles, mRNA, spike protein, all of them. They're not working the way they said. They're not staying in your shoulder muscle. They're going into your bloodstream. They're definitely going into your DNA. All these studies have shown this. And all they're going to do is go, don't worry. Now, not only are we going to give you the same shot, but now we're going to guess next time. We're going to guess about which strain to include. (laughs) How does that make it better? It doesn't, guys. This is getting off the rails even more than I I thought was possible. The report also recommended a process to quickly target new variants in case of, quote, circulation of more pathogenic vaccine escape variants of SARS-CoV-2. A similar process exists to address new, particularly dangerous flu strains. So they have another part of this, too. This this other extra part where they can pump these things out right in the middle of the off-season just in case. So, you know, whenever they want to use that, apparently with the flu, an expert panel, this is what they're telling you they're going to do for COVID-19, whatever that may be, the amalgamation of problems they wanted to tell you it is, or rather they want to pretend it's not. With the flu, an expert panel meets every spring to pick four strains, so quadrivalent, quadrivalent, to target with that false vaccine. So right now, again, ask yourself how that's not also hurting people especially when they start using mRNA, which they're going to with the flu shot. You're literally pumping out four different kinds of antibodies. I don't know why that even makes sense. On top of that, realize that we're still putting it in your arm, which Dr. Bakhti argues is never going to work. I mean, this it's just mind-blowing how people are in a rapid course to understand all of this, and they're showing quickly that they're lying to us in a lot of very casual ways. That they base those targets largely on which strains are then circulating in the Southern Hemisphere. So the guess. Now, you could argue it's an educated guess for sure, but it's a guess. Flu is typically less lethal in years when the match between the virus and the vaccine is good. Otherwise stated as when they guess right. So the question should be, what happens when they guess wrong? Does it hurt you? Do they care? You know the answer to that. So here is after the meeting. This is from Politico. Change to COVID vaccine formulation signals the start of the pivot in immunization strategy. Shocking! (laughs) I get it. I could have told you beforehand exactly what they would have picked and exactly what they would have decided because it's been pretty much in it's the writings on the wall, guys. There, It's very obvious what they're trying to do. This is the 26th. Yesterday, the FDA's expert panel on vaccines voted Thursday to recommend that anyone who gets a primary COVID vaccine going forward will receive a bivalent shot instead of the original formula. Great. So that means you're still going to get the Wuhan strain and BA4, despite the fact that zero of that is happening right now. That's what they just decided. That's the new step. (laughs) Think about how crazy this is. That's the new direction. So how long until they vote to do XXB? Probably one or four strains later. 
Is that by accident? Is that because they want people to get sick? Is that because bureaucracy is getting in the way? I mean, you decide for yourself. One thing we know for sure is this is not, even based on what they're telling you is happening, the right thing to do. It says signaling the start of the FDA's pivot to the longer term immunization strategy. Now, that's the point. All this is about is solidifying the mRNA platform, the genetic sequence pumping out no safety trial scenario. Their plug and play platform as Moderna coined themselves. That's all this is about. It is important, or at least in the context of the injection itself, there's much more going on, I should be clear. It is important, an important first step in a process that could result in millions of Americans getting an annual COVID booster similar to the flu vaccine. Now ask yourself, why do they call it a booster here, but call this the flu vaccine? Think about that, because they've trapped themselves in a narrative. If the flu, va- if the flu- COVID booster coming annually is a booster, well, then why wouldn't the flu booster be an annual booster? because that doesn't make any sense does it because the narrative has led them into booster because they're pretending like this isn't a new shot so now they have to say booster i bet you once you get in next year they'll call it a shot that's interesting though isn't it you can see how they're playing games they know what words they want to say to make you feel better about what's happening don't forget they have entire documents written out about how to convince you this is okay the agency's vaccine and related biological products committee voted 21 to 0 every single one of them, to recommend replacing the originally authorized injection regime with the bivalent version of the vaccine, the injection, excuse me. That version was reformulated last fall to provide protection against BA4 and 5, which were widely circulating at the time and were capable of infecting those who received the original vaccine series and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So that made sense, you could argue, even though I still think these are dangerous regardless of what they're correctly getting or not. You could have argued it made sense then. How do you still pretend that now? Recent evidence suggests that the current bivalent provides protection against severe disease and death from XBB1, but that's that's not even the one we're talking about. And we're on B15 now. That's dominant in the United States. But by the way, this is my point from before. Recent evidence, which they don't link to, shocking, because I guarantee it's flimsy at best because it's not what we're finding in everything else. They say the current bivalent, so the Wuhan and BA4 shot, provides protection against severe disease. Okay, what does that mean? Is it is it strong protection? Is it 1%? Is it 99%? It doesn't matter. They don't they won't tell you and yet you're going to be hard pressed to find anything that's going to make this argument. It's the same game they play by saying, "Well, it's made to BA4, but it has some effect on BA5," and that goes forward pretending that it protects against BA4 and 5. People the near it's like a game of telephone with these media organizations. Does this protect against BXBB? What does that even mean? The point is, scientifically speaking, with all the studies, it does not. You're making variants or antibodies for things that aren't present, which hurt you in general. The injections themselves have all kinds of serious side effects for a lot of different reasons. And then these things are not what you're producing them for. So I don't understand how that even possibly has the right effect. If they just told you when they guess wrong for the flu season doesn't work, then how are we pretending this makes sense? As we've turned the corner from the pandemic phase to an endemic phase, here we are again. Is it like the 35th time somebody has made that argument? Didn't that happen a month ago, a year ago, back when Biden said it was over? They just keep saying the same thing. Once we turn the corner from, or when we did a moment ago, today's vote marks a big practical win for American people. No, it doesn't. It, 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 it marks the enshrinement of the problem continuing forward. Accord, is enshrinement, is that a word? I believe it is. According to the CDC, roughly 69% of adults living in the United States have completed the primary vaccination series. 69%. That is more than half of them being aggressively forced into it. Then it says 20% remain completely unvaccinated. 
You should be proud of yourself out there if you're part of that group, right? Because it's been difficult. It's been pressure. It's been manipulation. But 20% of the population, that's a win, guys. I mean, it's not a win in the context of how 80% got screwed, in my opinion. Hopefully, that doesn't mean that the if they got one and woke up to it, that it won't be long-lasting. But who knows? It's the government's fault, however you look at it. But 20%. Only about 15% of Americans... I believe it's way less than that, have received a bivalent shot. And that means, think about that. That's 69% of people that went to two shots, maybe three, then just stopped. How do you see that any other way? Advisors stress that this update would simplify immunizations. Again, because we're too dumb and we're just confused. And if you simplify it, then we're all going to rush in and get it, right? The recommendation still needs to be adopted by the FDA and the CDC before vaccines are updated. Does anybody question whether that's going to happen? Anybody out there think they're going to go, oh, wait, we disagree. I doubt it. It's pretty obvious this is going to go forward like it always has, despite the evidence. The reassuring thing it says is that the safety profile that we've seen with the bivalent boosters mirrors very well the original vaccine at this range. (laughs) You got to love that statement. They didn't lie, did they? The reassuring thing, so that's that, that, that suggests they don't either are wrong about what they think they're looking at or think the original one was safe. The point is, the safety profile of the bivalence mirrors pretty well the original. I would agree with that. They're both very dangerous and both very ineffective. So they're right, essentially. Now it says, they concluded more data would be needed before deciding on a concrete vaccination strategy moving forward. Quote, in order to answer this question of how often, along with the immunogenicity and efficacy data, we need safety data. I mean, think about that. So yeah, so once we get the safety data, so you mean we haven't got safety data and yet you're still giving it to people? You're still forcing it on people? You're still giving it to children and infants? Pregnant women? But we don't, but, but, but once we get the safety data, then we can move forward on our vaccine strategy forever. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Still, the FDA stressed its desire to streamline the vaccine process to encourage those who are unvaccinated to get a vaccine. We stress that we have to do it faster and more rapid and less testing. Is that going to make you feel better? Advisors also weighed how manufacturers could harmonize any updates to COVID-19 shots to be based on the same variant. That's just showing you that there's more coordination behind manufacturers than you realize. mRNA has been fantastic, says Pamela. Maybe to their profits, but it may not give us the breadth of coverage, which is really what I think our problem is right now. My God. Well, here is the post from the CDC, February 25th. So here they are saying, bivalence, that's the one, that's the direction, that's what we're going to do. We're going to make this, we're going to move the the Wuhan one, make it BA4 and 5, and that's going to be the one we give people. That's the future, it's all working. But here the CDC says, well, SARS-CoV-2, Omicron, BA2 related sublineage, XBB15, right? See, this is the one now we're on, and they're still they're going, yay, XB1 is gaining predominance nationwide. And guess what, though? Vaccine effectiveness against XBB or XBB15 is unknown. Great. So CDC is willing to admit we have no idea if it has an effect, but here's the here's Politico and everyone else going, it works, it's safe, and it, we could tell. How does that make sense? And probably because they think that's what they're supposed to say. The bottom line is even the CDC makes it clear that they don't know that. Check this out. And this is just interesting the way they phrase this. Findings from this study suggest that bivalent booster doses are continuing to provide additional protection against symptomatic infection for at least the first three months after vaccinations in persons who had previously had two, three, or four monovalent vaccine doses. My God, 
which supports recommendations to continue increased bivalent booster coverage. So one, they don't even know if it has an effect against what's currently happening. But what they're saying is, as long as you've had two, three, or four shots, you'll last for a good three months of possible... <laughs> it's like you're being sold a used car. I mean, how does this possibly make... Like, this sounds good. How does it sound like it's working? So if you've had two, three shots, the thing you got will maybe last three months if it's having an effect against the variant that's around this. But if you haven't had two, three, or four shots, then that's not happening. So that means you have to get two, three, at least two shots to then get this shot to then have some negligible effect. Wow, that's safe and effective, guys. Safe and effective is safe and effective. It's safe and effective. Well, here is what they said at the FDA meeting. Just a couple of clips. By the way, thanks to shout out to Orwell for watching the entire thing for us and giving us some breakdown. Director of the CDC, this is shared by Texas Lindsay, who I'll be interviewing soon. Director of the CDC Vaccine Task Force, Tom Shimabukoro, admits very clearly that vaccines are causing debilitating illness. I mean, just think about this, the way he says this, even if it's a, you know, he doesn't really get into percentages necessarily, but the way he says this is not what we're being told. They're acting like it's sore arms and headaches and everything else is just completely off the table. Listen to what he says here. Take vaccine safety um, very seriously. Uh, with, re- with respect to um, reports of people experiencing um, debilitating illnesses um i mean we we are we are aware of these um reports of, of people experiencing long lasting health problems following covid vaccination uh in some cases the clinical presentation of people suffering these health problems is variable and no specific medical cause for the symptoms have been found um we understand that illnesses disruptive and stressful especially under those circumstances and we acknowledge these health problems have substantially impacted the quality of life for people and have also affected those around them. And we hope uh, for improvement and recovery. And we will continue to monitor the safety of these vaccines and, and work with partners to try to better understand these types of adverse events. That This is Chief Nerd posting all these clips. I mean, I think, I think about that. You can see it in a little video right there. You know, so whether or not they know what's causing them and like what the mechanism is, they're telling you these vaccine side effects. It's just it's so obvious that in casual conversation, you can't pretend like you don't see these. They can still yell safe and effective and still justify them going forward. But the idea that kids are being forced to do this to go to school, that kids or elderly in general are being given these when it's not necessary, when this is not even dangerous. If it ever was in the beginning, it's sure as hell not more dangerous now. Maybe you can argue it's more transmissible, but even then I disagree. At the end of the day, it's less deadly, according to every statistic you have out there, if that's even what's actually happening. Then you go back to the beginning, and if it's less than the flu, then what are we dealing with now? You're dealing with vaccine side effects. You're dealing with a complete deconstruction, or rather better word would be uh, demolition of people's immune systems. So they're getting sick with everything else under the sun. Turbo cancers and everything. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And this is the kind of casual statement you find in these discussions. This is some incredible stuff. Here is Chief Nerd posting the same meeting where Pamela McInnes says that it's a problem that there is no data showing protection against severe disease. And this is the point is that they pretend this is the case and they see they keep saying, well, they would have been worse. But they don't have the data. And I'll I'll actually play this one first again. This is the one of the last meetings where they admit that yes, we see, we see a clinical response. This is what Fauci shifted into saying after a while. 
well, we saw a good clinical response. Well, all that means is it was something happened. Is it the right response? They don't know. And they even admitted this in the conversation. They see what they say is a, a, a response, but they don't know if that correlates to protection. And then can you repeat the, the second question? I mean, obviously you have a lot of data now. What is your correlative protection is? Everybody's measuring antibodies. They're probably relevant, but as we know... That's a long question. We need a quick answer. <laughs> I would say there is no established correlate of protection. Thank you. That's just crazy. So they do not have not established a correlation between what's happening and how much that protects you. It's a guess. I mean, I just, this stuff is blowing. If everybody in the average conversation could see all of this stuff, it would be over. But you say that to some, they, 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 they'd say fake news. I've shown that clip to people and they go, that's not real. See, I've, this is what we're dealing with today. So here's the clip from somebody talking about this. Literally talking about that exact conversation, quote, we don't have randomized comparisons to demonstrate protection against severe disease, and I think that's really a problematic message for the community. What they said. Where is all this noise coming from? So I think we don't have randomized comparisons to demonstrate protection against severe disease, and I think it's a really problematic message. Uh, for the community, I am not a public health vaccine person. And don't forget, guys, that that point is the the idea is, is the uh, the study we talked about at the beginning, right? That their original study that Pfizer put out, rather the phase three trial, they argued that it was safe and effective and one in a million. And the reevaluation of that very trial showed the opposite. That's why they still hold on to this original discussion. Their own study shows that's not the case. But, you know, I give the little example of two adult children who are both musicians for vaccines. They move to Nashville. They go out one night and they get uh, three days later, they're symptomatic. So I and they were pretty sick. And one of those was a bivalent booster. So all I can say to them is, well, imagine how sick you would have got if you hadn't had these vaccines. And now think about how dishonest it is for her to say that when she's admitting that she doesn't even know if that's the case, because that's what you're supposed to say. This is this is a religion. Like she just, if there's no study and random controlled, uh, there, no random controlled trial showing that that's what happened. And we now have their very original data being called into question. You're just saying what you're supposed to say. And that's not a great message to try to deliver. So I believe we should move from this, what was the circulating strain to a more contemporary strain, but you may still get reinfected. So I, um, I think that is a real challenge. And the message is that you would have gotten more sick and land in the hospital. You know, it resonates with me, but I'm not sure it resonates with the recipients of the disease. Thank you. Also realize what they're talking about here. This is the internal conversation. I mean, it's, it's public, but the conversation, right? They're, get, they're going, well, let's go with the other strain because this one's not really working or this one might be changing. Just realize that while this is happening, they're still forcing people. What, what, what does this show you if not that they don't know for sure? And yet they're still sure as hell going to force it in that two-month-old baby or five-month-old baby or whatever they're going to right now. And the pregnant woman in the, in the young toddler, they're still doing that. How do you explain that if this isn't, I mean, how, how, do that, how does that person right there justify that in her mind if they're still guessing into the wind? Where's Claire, uh, Dr. Claire Clegg pointing out that 
this this is actually pretty upsetting. This person is discussing what's happening. Like I just discussed this, the idea of how they're using the idea of the most vulnerable to manipulate people into getting this for herd immunity. But then the point is they're then alter in, uh, additionally focusing on them first. So why then are you arguing we need to do this to protect them if you're the one giving them three more boosters than everybody else? It doesn't make any sense historically or current. But what's happening is those people are being abused within all of this as if they're protecting them. And this is the classic example of the government and how they're here to help. Nikki has been working tirelessly to support vulnerable people and defend their bodily autonomy. Here she is speaking to the FDA earlier, this is yesterday, about her work and some horrific cases that she's been involved in. This is pretty messed up. Nicola, please go ahead. Thank you. Nothing to declare. Hello, everyone. I'm very pleased to be here. I run the Autonomy Hotline in the UK. Our organisation is an advocacy service helping people to support, helping to support people's rights in health and social care. We are passionate about informed consent, the gold standard in medical practice. For the vulnerable who cannot consent to treatment, children, elderly, disabled, there is a danger that medical practice becomes what we do not want it to become. When authorities discuss licensing vaccines, they emphasize reaching the most vulnerable members of society with these products. But the truth is society has no problem coercing vulnerable groups of people to line up first. Their bodies are not their own. For example, writing a vaccine order in the family court leaves families penniless or fleeing their homes. In mental health hospitals, vaccines are disguised as treatment, which yeah. is illegal. A family member saying no to the vaccine on behalf of an elderly relative loses their power of attorney. The Down syndrome teenager living at home, a court-ordered vaccine could mean the use of police powers to gain entry. The autistic adolescent, sedated and restrained by court order to be given something he said he didn't want. Where are the disability rights that society claims to uphold? For all you here today, because you are vaccine injured, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Everyone is so keen to seize any form of consent that the precautionary principle doesn't appear to apply outside of the patient-professional relationship. If a decision goes to court, the courts will simply authorise the vaccine with no regard for the ethical implications involved. The FDA committee must recognize that you open a door to a slippery slope that the rest of the world seems keen to hurtle down. The availability and licensing of vaccines paves the way for professionals to abuse their power over those on whom the benefits cannot be proven. Some of the worst violations of human rights were done in secret in the name of vaccination, but at the expense of sound medical practice. It is one global Milgram experiment. The very people you license this product for will be coerced by those in medicine, social care and law, dividing families and causing harm. When this happens, there's no best interest outcome. There's no greater good. As a Christian, I'm called to take a stand for these individuals. And I say in the name of Jesus, this injustice needs to stop. Before any vaccine is released, you should ensure they're only given to people with capacity to consent with full disclosure of risks and any no should be as welcome as any yes without fear of penalty or court appearance. Thank you. Please support the autonomy hotline.
I was muted for those in the spaces there. I was muted. Sorry, guys. The point is that that is uh, that's Nicola Adolfe, I believe, speaking, and she is discussing what she just said at the end there, which is the international public uh, bioethics. Right. That is the internationally stated bioethics. I, I think it was 2003, 2006. I forget exactly the idea that you cannot be coerced. Your personal choice will always outweigh that of the collective of science or society. Like the U.S. government and many other governments just don't care about this today. The point is quite obvious that they're violating this. Now, remember things like Germany or what was the other one we saw? Israel was another example where these people in these nursing homes and elsewhere were manipulated. Some of these elderly or even people in uh, you know, disability or people with, like learning disabilities were force vaccinated. I mean, it, this is this is some alarming stuff, guys. I mean, it's, it's just very clear. And the point is that these people are being taken advantage of. As it, but, but but while pretending like they're doing what's right for them. That's always, as I point out, the worst of the worst of the worst. Now, here is, as coronavirus plushy posts, uh, uh, John Campbell, Dr. John Campbell, pointing out yet again, very clearly coming around to this, seeing that the significant increases in excess deaths throughout Europe and all age groups are outrageous. And the point is that he's saying that how long can they continue to ignore this? They're just hoping that my guess is they're going to try to blame long COVID. They're going to try to blame something. They're going to try to wait enough until they can kick this into something else and say, that's why all the excess death. That's why. Because the lockdown is not cutting it. It's just a If anybody has brain cells to rub together, it's obvious that doesn't connect. There's just so many examples, especially the unexplained deaths. You don't have an unexplained thing get worse during the point is they try to act like it's heart attacks and cancers. Well, then, okay, what about all the unexplained deaths that have no example? They just die and we can't explain why SIDS and SADS that does that that's happening because of these injections. I'm convinced that's my opinion. The bottom line is that the excess death is almost exactly correlated with the injections. Places that have more of them have more excess death. It's unbelievably obvious. So as he points out, how long until they, how long can they keep ignoring this? How long can the UK government and other governments and mainstream media keep on ignoring the huge amount of excess deaths that is around? It's just quite incredible. I'm going to be looking at data today from Europe. This is from Euro Mono Bulletin. And as we'll see, this is official European data. I'm going to show you this site in a minute. This week, uh, pulled Euro Mono all-cause mortality. Elevated levels of excess mortality. Overall all around the place geographically and in all age groups. And we'll be looking at age groups such as 0 to 14. Now, the chief medical officer in the UK has said that the excess deaths are uh, caused by people not being able to get their statins during right. the pandemic. That's, that's the newest argument that makes no sense in plenty of other ways as well, especially since statins themselves have also been shown, even argued by Dr. Moholtra, to be problematic and actually hurt people. But either way, it's just an absurd argument. And, and, and apparently that only connects with the collapsing athlete story. Right now, they're just going full blow into just oh, it's the heart problems, you know. But meanwhile, eggs can cause heart attacks, and, and you got defibrillators in children's preschools. But it's okay though; it's so ridiculous. The point is, it's not just heart problems either, though. Right? You have all sorts of these things happening, turbo cancers, and all this stuff, and they just don't know where to land it. But I'm telling you, something's building. The, there's a you can't just not talk about this this long with how obvious it is without something brewing. It's clearly, I think we all see, someone like John Campbell or Dr. Maholtra, people that were moments ago on the other side are now very clearly seeing what this is. Well, most 14-year-olds don't take statins, so I think we need to do a bit better than that, to be quite honest. Yes. Uh, average levels from pre-2020. Now, the thing about the data I'm about to show you, 
is they take their averages from pre-2020, so we're not dealing with the increased levels in the pandemic. So let's look at another age group here, 0 to 14-year-olds. Now, I'll show you this on the cumulative data here, but it is increased for 0 to 14-year-olds as well. Um, and again, um, if we see the baseline there, it actually is above. This will be clear when I show you a cumulative graph. But if we look now, we see a significant uh, increase uh, in this age group. These are young people. It's not lack of treating ongoing diseases which is causing this. It's. I'm not saying that's not part of it in other age groups, but in this age group, I don't think it is. Well, the bottom line is it, it's probably part of it in general. But you cannot deny that there's, at the very least, something else happening. And then when you realize pretty much the only big difference... And it also just so happens that big difference thing has been otherwise admitted to cause the thing we're looking at. I mean, it's really been possibly stupid that we're even having to play this game, seeing as how they're admitting this can cause the things that we're seeing. They just want, don't want to admit that that is part of it when it comes to discussion. It's just cartoonish. It really is. Which brings us to another example from Africa that somebody else sent me just recently that I think, I'm thank you, I'm blanking on, I'm blanking on who sent me this all of a sudden. I wanted to give him a shout out. Uh, God, so much comes my way through Twitter and everywhere else. Thank you to everybody who's always sending us information. Uh, there's a bunch of you out there, uh, Link and Ombre and all these different guys on Twitter that are constantly sending me amazing information. But this is a great clip coming from on BitChute. Calls to suspend the COVID vaccines in South Africa because of safety concerns. It's on the mainstream news in, in South Africa. It's, it's coming through everywhere. They're running from this. Calls for South Africa to scrap its COVID-19 vaccination drive. NGO Transformative Health Justice says an independent investigation must be concluded and its results shared with public with the public before calling on residents to roll up their sleeves. Their concerns surround the potential side effects and deaths caused by vaccines. Transformative Health Justice CEO uh, Shabnam Mohammed and their legal aid advocate Sabelo Sbanda uh, join us now to unpack this just very quickly for us. Uh, Shabnam, I'm going I'm to just start with you. Uh, is your issue uh, the COVID-19 vaccine in general, or is it the announcement made in December by the health uh, ministry that uh, five-year-olds to 11-year-olds would also now start being vaccinated? Thank you, Masego. So the Stop the Shots case against the backdrop of uh, in international investigations into safety and efficacy is essentially catalyzed by doctors in South Africa who are seeing serious adverse effects and have tried to report this to SAPRA and the Department of Health not to be heard since at least February last year. The uh, announcements you shared just now regarding 5 to 11-year-olds certainly gives this case urgency, as does the fact that we've discovered that under 5-year-olds are being injected unlawfully. But oh the case God. is essentially based on what doctors and healthcare workers are seeing in terms of adverse effects. They're being ignored. We know our healthcare system is in a crisis we know the electricity crisis adds uh, further challenges as to whether these injections are safe or not. And so what we're calling for is for independent joint investigations into safety, efficacy and the necessity, in fact, of these really exorbitant products uh, that we, can, we, we cannot afford. And we're also asking the respondents in this case to declare their conflicts of interest as it relates to decision making. Now, okay, just think about how, if, if this stuff's happening in the United States and Western countries. You, we have to realize how aggressively the places they pretend they're trying to save and help first are being taken advantage of more than anybody, right? I mean, it's like she's saying right there, they're, they're illegally injecting children, which, by the way, is happening everywhere based on a lot of different factors, including the illegal emergency use authorization they're using to do so here. <laughs> Same thing. But the point is just it's probably far more 
out in the open, just like we've seen in the past with the Bill, you know, Bill and Linda Gates Foundation and their oral polio vaccine that got a bunch of people sick and hurt people and same with the GMOs before that. The point is that it's happening all over the place. So they're now publicly speaking out going, these things need to stop. But it doesn't matter. Here is a, another uh, discussion in the UK, and there's two different people. One of them is, uh, what was his name? I'm blanking on all of a sudden. Uh, Bridgeton speaking again, just to show you how ridiculous this is getting. I mean, I got to admit, the UK back and forth, in, you know, compared to like the congressional thing we see in the United States, it's, it's, all, it's way worse. I mean, the way they play this game. Actually, I, I, I take that back. The one I saw in Canada was one of the worst ever, where the guy's literally going, how much is the average cost of a house in Canada? And the guy would stand up and go, we've done this for unemployment. It's like, uh, wait, did you mishear me? And asked the same question. It was like 14 times in a row. And they just never even attempted to answer the question. Like it was a game. And that's your tax dollars, right? But this is how they play this game. So they come out and they want to ask specifically about excess deaths. And they don't even answer the question. Like how, where is, isn't there supposed to be somebody going, hey, how about you answer the question, right? Who's the person sitting in that big fancy chair? Aren't you supposed to be moderating this whole thing? You know, it's the same thing with like Pelosi and whoever else. Like the point is, if people are getting up there and lying or doing something, aren't they? I mean, I don't I don't know what they're. That's a good question, actually. Is the speaker, for example, allowed to interject or call somebody out if they think that they're lying? Probably not. Anyway, the point is, the way this goes down shows you that they have a vested interest in not dealing with this, at least from some of the sides. Mr. Speaker. The chief medical officer recently warned that current non-COVID excess deaths is being driven in part by patients not getting statins or blood pressure medicines during the pandemic. But when looking at the data on statins in openprescribing.net, which is based on monthly NHS prescribing, there appears not to be a drop. So where is the evidence? And if there isn't one, what is causing these excess deaths? Will the minister commit to an urgent and thorough investigation on the matter? I mean, it's very clear. I almost wish you wouldn't have said that last part, right? What is causing it then? Okay, so you say it's statins. We just proved to you based on your own data that it's not the case. It's clearly not what's happening. So what's causing it then? Like, don't you care? I mean, this, this is, we're now at a point where we're seeing more excess deaths than the peak of COVID-19. If that's even, again, I don't even, that's just the narrative. What actually happened, is I don't think we know, is something far worse. The combination of flu and pneumonia and, and all the things we're talking about. But the point is that we're see- if, if the pandemic, they say, was the big concern because of all the death, then why is this just not, why do they pretend like this doesn't matter if it's now higher than what it was before? I think you know the answer to that. Well, we are seeing an increase in excess deaths in this country, but we're also seeing that in Wales, uh, in Scotland, uh, in Northern Ireland and across Europe. And there are a range of factors. There is an increase, as we saw um, in December, in the number of people being admitted with flu, with COVID (laughs) and with other health care conditions. Oh, so now it's COVID. So COVID is the reason. Again, that's not true, though. I mean, this is pathetic because what we're talking about is non-COVID excess death. That's the very first thing that was ruled out. Her answer is COVID and flu. Really? This is not something that's just seen in this country, but across Europe as well. Okay, so what does that mean? So just because it's happening everywhere, does that, so it's, a, it's okay then? It's, it's acceptable for us to not care? I mean, these people are playing politics while we are literally watching people die in, in ways we've never seen before. Right? So here, I believe this is the other video. Let me see. Yes. Okay, good. So the point is, it's, this is right afterward, right? So she asked that very clearly. And the answer is COVID, flu, and it's happening everywhere, so shut up. 
Here he asked very specifically, and this is the part where they just literally don't even respond to the question. Oops. So not yes, it's me. Hi, I'm here. Party data by vaccination status since the 31st of May last year. Can the minister confirm that her department have collected this data for the rest of 2022? And can she inform the House when it will be published? Asking about the data in 2022 forward, right? Because it's exponentially worse. This is the answer. Well, I'm very uh, happy to, to write uh, to the Honourable Gentleman uh, with that uh, information. But can I just be clear that we absolutely planned for uh, an increase in uh, admissions uh, this winter. That's why uh, we got uh, on and delivered over our plans for 7,000 extra beds. It's why we brought forward our flu and COVID vaccination programme and lowered uh, the age for those who are um, uh, eligible for those. There are a number of factors, which are the same factors which have driven excess deaths across the United kingdom but also across europe oh so nothing's wrong then so we're all good then right we expected this to happen and it's all good so shut up how is this how this spoke i mean this is shocking so excess death is through the roof in an unprecedented way like we've literally never seen it's higher now than it was at the peak of covid and that's the response so let's just go back to work then no big deal but wear your mask and take your injections though i mean it's just through it's it, it is comical this is cartoonish that they pretend like that is acceptable the point is let's keep going though here is texas Lindsay posting excess mortality in the uk posted right on the times 1000 excess deaths every week but that's the answer we expected it we have more beds it's okay though and covid and flu so if you think these people are fighting for you then you're not paying attention and I, I'm going to, this is actually uh, a fuzzed out in, uh, in a translated video or a few of them. You can watch for yourselves, but it's a testimony of a COVID ward doctor from Israel. They say probably anonymous because of the backlash docs are getting. The point is just saying the same things about the problems, what we're seeing. And you can watch it all for yourself. There are people coming out everywhere talking about this stuff. Here's another chief nerd video from Dr. Richard Uso, who we talked to about before discussing specifically the risks associated with lipid nanoparticles and mRNA. More and more and more of these people are coming out and telling you that you're in danger because of the things they're telling you are safe and effective. You know, it's, it's, it's a, sh a shame that we rush them through. And if you, if you understand lipid nanoparticles, which I do, I work with lipid nanoparticles, they're very toxic. These are not, when we say lipid, you're thinking of fat, natural fat. Think of more margarine. Um, think of Crisco. You know, you're, you're thinking about things that the body has a hard time digesting. And, and what happens when the toxic uh, substances of these get into macrophages and, 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 um, and other cells like natural killer cells and cytotoxic T cells are engulfing these monocytes, you're finding a, a destruction of those cells. And it's a, it's a dose response. So there was lots of reasons to be very cautious because the, the, the distribution we know before we ever started covid that these would be widely distributed in the body. This is the natural. We saw it highly uh, concentrated in the spleen in their own study. We saw it highly concentrated in the ovaries. Remember, this is at the time when their own studies, the trials came out. And yet they then still went on to argue that it never left your body or you never left your shoulder. Think about how clear that lie is. Their study during the original trials found lipid nanoparticle concentration in almost every organ including concentrated in your spleen and your ovaries. And I believe it was uh, your pancreas. I don't want to misquote it. 
How is that possibly ending up there? Which remember, that means that has the mRNA inside of it with the instructions to make spike protein if it only stayed in your shoulder muscle and made only one spike protein. They lied from the very beginning. Natural. Um, uh, what, what happens with lipid nanoparticles, they don't stay in a separate place. They don't do that. They've never have. I thought maybe there was some proprietary technology that I didn't know about. Turns out not to be true. Um, but I was. I mean, that's a great point right there of why many of these doctors may hold back. Now, some of them are just lying. Some of them are just cowards, right? And some of them are, have cur- courage, like, like Dr. Urso here. But my point is that some of them, like he said, some of them may think to themselves, well, maybe they've got some kind of thing that I don't know about that makes that make sense, right? That's what, just another, another example of how some of these people may allow themselves to move past what they can see is not true. It's going to be really shocked. I'd say that would be Nobel Prize winning work. Um, in my experience, the, the distribution went to the bone marrow, wiped out the bone marrow. We were bone trying marrow. to carry chemo to the That's brain. It's hard to direct them. It's hard to control them. They distribute widely. And that would be beautiful for an inborn error of metabolism, like somebody, a child with a genetic disorder. You want it widely distributed. But for a, for a pathogen like a virus, which is a respiratory virus, you know, you'd prefer to have IgA in the, in the lungs. And instead, we've got IgG right. you know, IgG created in the brain. And so right. the wide distribution was a real well-known factor, which gave me a lot of caution right off the bat. And, and- well, pretty clear, pretty clear, guys. And here is a main, uh, here's the article itself. I did this so I could highlight it. 11 Live, just this is a, one of these local local channels. It's, uh, I believe it's, uh, what was it, ABC or... Either way, it's one of these local, local mainstream channels. And here's what they're talking about. Program created to help those hurt by COVID vaccine. Family says it's too slow. So here's another example on January 17th of them essentially arguing... You know, it, it's they're they're seeding things that were once fake news, but only a fraction of it. But in a way to kind of release valve, but at the same time to make it seem like they're trying to inform you. The bottom line is that it seems very few people want to talk about the countermeasures injury compensation program or the CICP. We've talked about this. It's a federal program that's near impossible to get anything from to compensate people hurt by a medicine or medical device during you know, like like the injection. It says for Alan's story. And for more than half of the people who have filed claims with the CICP, that countermeasure is the COVID vaccine. Think about that. More than half of all the things happening right now are because of this one. It's hurting people. I think we all know that. Now it says, quote, I was glad to get it. But then came an acute brain stem stroke and a series of confusing medical diagnoses that left them financially and emotionally dazed and confused. Right. But don't forget, but Borla and the CDC just told you it's fake news. The stories are not anti-vaxxers. Both his wife and daughter received the vaccine and the booster shots that followed. They chose to get vaccinated to help protect Alan and neither reported any negative side effects. However, days after Alan received his first vaccine dose, doctors thought he was experiencing vertigo. His condition grew worse. He became became non-responsive. His only way to communicate was by squeezing Beverly's hand. Think about how wild that is. His mind was 100% 100 working inside his body. That is terrifying. His body couldn't move. He's literally there, eyes moving without being able to move. That's scary as hell. Alan had recently had a full body health screen and was ruled generally healthy. So his wife suspected the stroke had something to do with the injection because a logical person would do that. You got something new. You were healthy before. First thing you should look at. Doesn't mean you prove it, but you look at it. That's not what's happening today. She noticed a reference to the CICP on his paperwork. But instead of helping... This is the important part. The very group set up to help people like this became another challenge for them because that's the truth about it. 
Now it says the burden of proof is 100% on you. And that became a problem with cost and logistics. If you're not a wealthy person, this is impossible. They know that. Allen's medical records were scattered across five hospitals, said Beverly, and the application itself was confusing. They've made this to be a near impossible process. Quote, I started it and then didn't even understand it. It was like, what do I do with this? Still, she managed to send a thousand pages of information, a thousand that she believes links Allen's fight life, uh, life to the vaccine. But nearly two years later, she still hadn't even heard from them. Let me just make sure you didn't miss that part. After all of this, nearly two years after submitting all of this, haven't even gotten a response. Doctors have not officially declared Allen's medical woes on the vaccine, but the couple said doctors have ordered him not to take the second shot, or any vaccine for that matter. It is now up to those at the CICP to determine if there's enough correlation. And guess what? If it ends up being undefined, you get nothing. You don't get any answers. Nobody calls back. Nobody sent anything in the mail. The stories did write to President Joe Biden, as well as U.S. Senators John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, who both represent Georgia. After 11 Alive reached out, Senator Ossoff, the office of his, then finally decided to reach out to get more information and figure out how they could help. You know, once it's a public story and now you're on the hook for it. Before that, though, two years, where were you then, John? They were reaching out then. Where were you, Raphael? How about Joe Biden? Oh, you guys didn't care. Right. Beverly was also able to get through to someone at the CICP to verify at least that our paperwork had been received. Thank God. But since then, the only communication they received was a letter asking them for patience. Two years later, be patient as you're struggling and you can't move and your body doesn't work for you. But get your next injection, though. Safe and effective. This is him right now. This man has lost his life because of this. My God. The point is, stroke vaccine, the same things they're pretending isn't happening, and then even the people that actually have a problem, they're given the runaround. Because that's how this is meant to happen, guys. Dr. Claire Craig points out, you know, the Pfizer was supposed to be doing a study on myocarditis, as they proudly stood up and said, we're going to investigate the thing that we told you was fake news, and now we've given the shot to millions and billions of people, but now we're going to investigate it. For you, of course, because we care, right? Guess what, though? They've now extended it for six months. And we're still forcing people to get it to go to school. Pfizer have not done the study they promised on myocarditis in young people. While yelling at you, you're crazy for thinking it's possible. Spot the difference in the original project. The bottom line, they show they've extended this by six months. Six months. You know how many children can be killed? How many athletes, children, and adults alike can collapse in six months? Well, just look at the studies we're seeing. Thousands of them, apparently. If not more, we're not even seeing the blip. This is a blip on the radar compared to how many are probably out there. But here, John MD points out a new study of 11 million vaccinated children, ages 5 to 11 specifically, showing you that this is safe and effective. Oh, that's interesting. Weird how we can have study after study after study, seemingly continuing to find that these things don't work, they're hurting people. And then you get one group that just kind of bunches it all together and goes, guess what? It's all safe and effective. What do you know? It's pretty fascinating, isn't it? Well, let's go down to the bottom really quickly, since I actually didn't even look at this before. I forgot to come back. I want to see what the limit, uh, where was it? Oh, let's see. Nope, discussion. Trying to find the, uh, you know, associations and so on. We were just talking about this with uh, Jessica Rose today. 
That's weird. Anyway, the point is most importantly the same about the vaccinated definition in regard to how they can play this game with the first 14 to 21 days of the injection. None reported. (laughs) Now, so the point here, January 23rd, an assessment of efficacy and safety, but only for 5 to 11, a systematic review and meta-analysis. Now it says, our messenger RNA vaccine safe and effective in children 5 to 11. Well, look, there is an unbelievably clear body of evidence that's been showing continually that that's not the case, that they're continually hurting everybody, let alone children are not hurting people that take them because of all the side effects. Now, what they're not looking into, in my opinion, in this is the side effects. All they're talking about is what's funny is they say safe and effective, but all they really look at is whether or not these injections are stopping COVID. And if they stop COVID, then therefore they're safe because the only danger is COVID. That's kind of how all of this stuff seems to be going. Now, I'm not saying every one of the studies is like that, but if you read through this, it's kind of interesting the way that focuses. A lot of this is doing the same. But here it says in the systematic review includes 17 studies. 17 studies? I mean, my God, I have shown you more than 17 peer-reviewed studies that talk about this stuff, specifically in children. And all you find after this entire time frame is 17. I'm just going to go and say that's clearly cherry-picking, and I'll show you some of the ones they pick. But it says, while vaccination compared with placebo, I guess we can assume that means saline, I guess we don't know that today, was associated with higher incidences of adverse events. While vaccination was associated with higher incidence of adverse events, the overall frequency of severe adverse events, including myocarditis, was low. So it's causing myocarditis. Let's make sure we hear that, even though they say it's low. And that means safe and effective? I just don't even understand how that in and of itself makes sense. But let's get to the point. PubMed, so what they do is search databases. So this should be clear about that. This is them scooping up data and they're only choosing the ones it seems they want, 17 of them out of how many we've talked about. So they searched the database on September 29, 2022. That's all they did. Scooped them all up, looked at them, showed you what it says. So it says the primary outcome was SARS-CoV-2 infections with or without symptoms. Now it's interesting, first of all, because what are we talking about when we say COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2 without symptoms? Well, we're talking about a PCR-positive test, right? Or antigen, same thing. Not the same exact thing, but same point. Okay, so the point is that that does not mean they have COVID. That means they got a test that says that with no symptoms, which we know is possible to get false positive. So that's the first point. So that just kind of throws a big stick in the spokes when you've got a people that are being, they're, they're saying they've got this, but they don't have any negative effects. And then what they do is they go, well, he's had an injection. That's a mark on the good side, all right? He's never, he's got the injection and look at his symptoms. They're not even there. That's part of it, but that's not the main crux of the point. But it says in the systematic review, the vaccines among these children were associated with measures of efficacy. What does that mean? Measures of efficacy in preventing SARS-CoV-2 infection and severe COVID-19. That's, that's the claim. So, Is it helping them? Is it hurting them? Well, there's measures of efficacy. You see the same point? So it has an effect. Is it the right effect? Are there negative side effects to that effect? Who cares? It's showing measures of efficacy. Is it the right kind of clinical response? It just continues to play the same game. It says, while most children developed local adverse events, most of them, that's not even supposed to be what we promote. Most people having any kind of effect is not a positive thing. But it says severe adverse events were rare, and most resolve within days. 
That's the, that, so that's supposed to be positive, by the way. But here's where I got the main point for me. As you get into the studies themselves, I'll just jump to these right here. There's just two of them. You can look at all the rest of them. They're not all like this. The vast majority of what I saw had two main issues. As you can see here under the data collection, it says COVID-19 vaccination status. And this is just one of the studies they've listed about seven or eight of the, or 17 in total. But the, the crux of them they listed as the ones that were discussing this main point. And whether or not they're actually helping the people taking them or they're manipulating the data in the background or however they're gaming this. It says COVID vaccination status, including manufacturer, dates and vaccination, number of doses and location was ascertained through parent interviews and review of source documentation. So just so it's clear, this study in of itself just looks at what was written down, vaccinated or unvaccinated. Okay, so doesn't that then guarantee that the ones that are vaccinated could therefore be people or rather unvaccinated? Could therefore be people that got it 13 days ago? Yes, because all they're doing is looking at what the definitions are. If that definition includes 14 to 21 days and before being unvaccinated, then that is what they're talking about. So that's one part of it. Then it says classification of vaccination status. Participants were classified as unvaccinated if no vaccine was received before the reference date. What's that? Well, here it is right here. Or no, that's the next one. All right, right down here. Oh, hold on one sec. I'll, I'll show you the, well, I'm going to sc- scroll down anyway. The reference date right here. It says, if fully vaccinated, the medium days from second vaccine to reference date of hospitalization. Okay, so all we're talking about here, first of all, oops, forgot this one. Is that they received that participants were classified as unvaccinated if no vaccine was received before the reference date. So there's a huge window there, is my point. And it says, and fully vaccinated if they'd received two doses at least 28 days before the date. So it's the same game they're playing, just so that's clear. You still have this window where there's this open, there's a caveat there where they can pretend they can call people unvaccinated that aren't actually unvaccinated. Or did I say that wrong? They can call people unvaccinated if they aren't actually unvaccinated and they actually have injections in their body this has been one of the main illusions they've played from the very beginning of this who's going to pretend like the vaccine can't be something that hurts them if it happens within the first 14 days they take it are you really going to pretend that someone has a heart attack within two days you're going to ignore the vaccine because well it wasn't 14 days later that's crazy while full mrna and i'm not saying we know for sure but it has to be considered while full mrna vaccination against acute covid19 is usually considered to be 14 days after the second dose a time point at which vaccination may confer protection against MISC, another one of these nebulous, all-encompassing catch-alls, is unclear. Therefore, we performed a sensitivity analysis, including patients vaccinated at least 14 days before the reference date. Just making it more clear. They're playing that game. That's one of the studies. Here's another one. Same point. It's from CDC. The effectiveness of two-dose mRNA is in regard to Delta, I believe. Here's what it says. You can see right here, all participants, right? Here's the total number. You can correlate that with the number they list. Guess what it says? Vaccination status. Okay, well, we got unvaccinated. That's interesting. Then you've got more than one dose. Or I guess it's more one or more. The point, though, ultimately is that you are having this open, this, uh, where was it down here? It's under the T. Under Next to it, there's a little, you know, spot where you can read the notes down here. And as it says, COVID-19 vaccination status excludes participants with reverse transcription with a PCR test confirmed SARS-CoV-2 infection during the first 13 days after receiving their first vaccination dose. 
Anyway, the bottom line is, guys, there's this window in which these things can be manipulated. And you will find that in almost every single one. I'm not saying that means 100% that it's the opposite. But what, I, what it means is there's a big open window where these are being called people that are unvaccinated when really they've got injections in their body. Now, that one makes the unvaccinated side effect or the outcome look worse. And it also makes the vaccinated outcome look better. It's pretty clear. Now, on top of all of that, just in the myocarditis realm, here's just one more casual study that right now that continues to show you that it's not just the mechanism they're pointing at, which is that these injections can very clearly in and of themselves cause myocarditis or Guillain-Barre syndrome. What this is talking about is vaccines and CMV reactivation. Another way it can cause myocarditis, vaccines and this reactivation, it stands for um, cytomegalovirus. The mRNA COVID-19 vaccine may may be inducing a short-lived temporary immunosuppression. I think that's very clearly happening. It's not short-lived either. Allowing cytomegalovirus to become reactivated in in rare cases. This reactivation can in rare cases cause myocarditis, Guillain-Barre syndrome, and a host of other ailments. So my point is, and now it says that they were talking about things like, um, oh, I looked it up. What was it? Cytomegalovirus. I'll come back to it later. The point, I think we're talking about like the, the chicken pox and different things like that. And the point is that this is causing people to have these resurgence of this stuff. And they're not blaming that on the injection, guys. This, the, the science, this is what, why these things don't need to be tested and researched for years before they get pumped into children's arms. Because right now they're desperately trying to defend this. Now here, despite everything we just talked about and everything else we talked about from the beginning of all of this, they're still rushing this forward as the FDA just made clear. Another chief nerd post, it says, now Bill Gates trashes current COVID jabs, which is interesting seeing as how the lied constantly about it. And now once they want to shift directions, now they can, oh, well, these ones didn't work, but here's the next ones. Just like the Wall Street Journal article. He says, if you, we think we can have a thing you can inhale, that will mean you can be infected and inhaled blocker. Very early in an epidemic, the thing you can inhale, uh, that will mean that you can't be infected, a a blocker. And they simply ask, is that what they're talking about here? The one he's referring to. This is Moderna CEO announces the first inhaled mRNA therapy for patients. The point is, regardless of what he's, I'm sure that's what he was talking about, my, my opinion. The point is, guys, this mRNA is everywhere. Everywhere. It's being injected into bees, into cattle, into food, into, I mean, everywhere. We are being tested on this is crazy and unprecedented. And what we're seeing is even as they do this, the one, their, their flagship product is failing. This is an alarming step. Another one that we are very excited about, which took a few years to make work in the labs, is the ability to deliver inhaled mRNA to patients. So we pop- I mean, just think about how crazy that is to discuss inhaling mRNA at a point when they're only making this next step because they still argue the first one was done successfully and safe. Now we have colleagues in Boston, Vertex, who worked on developing a CFTR mRNA program coding for the entire CFTR gene to help those kids that don't respond to the standard treatment where Vertex has a massive impact on so many lives. But there are still several thousand kids that don't respond to treatment. So what we believe is that if we were able to give them a full-length CFTR protein in their lungs, we could basically restore their lung functions. And so we developed that technology 
We are very excited that the R&D was opened by the FDA, that this got a fast-track designation. And this morning, our colleagues at Vertex announced that we've already started dosing in humans. Wow. In patients, of course. See, it's already out there. It's already happening. It's already there. So are we talking about self-spreading at this point? Certainly a fair question to ask, especially since they've already talked about that as being the next step. And should they do that, it's probably something we shouldn't tell people about, right? I mean, that's, that is a, this is something that is literally openly being discussed. Here's this video in case you don't remember. Since the outbreak of COVID-19, the word virus has been dominating media headlines as well as our daily lives. Did you know that one approach that has been proposed to control virally transmitted diseases is by releasing a virally transmitted vaccine? Unlike traditional vaccines, infectious vaccines do not require any individual consent. Infectious solutions are also being developed for food and agriculture. And Yay, right? Because that's what we all want, right, guys? I mean, that's what they're pushing for. And this is real, guys. This is not a joke. This is openly discussed in these international think tank discussions, the UN, the WHO, Johns Hopkins, all openly discussing this as the next step and possibly happening right now if you discuss what they openly have been talking about up until now. You know, that should these things need to be done, we should probably do them covertly because people wouldn't understand. That is the point. Now here, and we'll just skip this for interest of time. This is Dr. Yeadon telling you the same thing we keep, we keep pointing out, that pharmaceutical companies are openly saying, not on the corporate media, but in places if you watch what they're discussing like we just did, that these are now being remanufactured. Companies are now remanufacturing every vaccine they have to mRNA direction. Why? Because that was always the plan, and we keep showing you this. UK cements 10-year partnership with Moderna in major boost for vaccine. This is the future. Now, here's COVID-1984 pointing out in Davos World Economic Forum 23 video about transforming medicine and redefining what it means to be human. So right now, as they drive this direction, they're openly telling you what this is going toward. As we keep saying, when they tell you who they are, when they tell you what they're doing, listen to them. Just because it sounds outlandish or sounds like the opposite of what Fox and CNN told you, don't balk at it. Listen to them when they tell you who they are. Forming medicine and redefining life, life as we know it and humans as we know them uh, today. We're developing the foundational tools and knowledge in order to be able to engineer our uh, uh, biological systems, right? The most sophisticated technology on the planet uh, to be able to do new and, and useful things, including potentially reconstituting uh, life itself. Can we can re-engineer our uh, immune system to now be able to precisely go after cancers? Yeah, they're sure as hell trying, guys. That's the point. Your body is the experiment right now, and that's not that's not even concealed anymore. Pfizer is calling Israel's the world's lab, and they're proudly talking about how they did this to test on people's ailments and said, what happens when we give it to this guy? What happens when they have this problem? Netanyahu literally put out his own video saying that. Now we know. How else do you hear that other than you were experimented on to test whether this would work and what it would do to certain kinds of people? What else was happening? that they didn't even admit to. Also, how can we open up new interfaces with our body, not only in the brain, but also in the gut? Interfaces, you know, like plug and play platforms and computer program. That, that's the, whether you think it's an analogy or not, that's the terminology they're using. 
Moderna's own platform, very clearly, plug and play. And by the way, now they've deleted that page. Now it's on the way back machine. I've showed you many times because they don't, I guess they oversold it in the beginning. Even YouTube, I keep pointing this out. YouTube has deleted their main video explaining how the shot is made as a violation of the terms of service. It's still like that right now. It's hilarious. Probably because I just don't want you seeing it. Probably because it wasn't meant to be mass understood of what they were trying to accomplish before they told you they were doing it. I have all the information about how the person's heart, lungs, livers uh, uh, work. You can know what's going to happen to them. There are some ideas around that. That has an impact on insurance. That has an impact on uh, social connects. It has an impact on your employment. Right, insurance and all that, right? Because we're going to tell you that you're going to get sick tomorrow. That, you're, you know, that your heart's going to fail tomorrow. I guess we have to trust them. Um, somebody can look up your CV and find the data. Like, I don't think you're going to be around for the next three years, so I'm not giving you a job. <laughs> The biggest challenge right, for think us, about that, yeah. right? So then, they're like, oh well, you're you're sickly, you're ill, and so we're just we're just not going to insure you. We're just not going to do this because you've got the wrong markers. You watch the wrong media, which we've then argued based on studies affect your health in X, Y, and Z. Right? That's where this goes. This is a medical apartheid. Was um, when we went to the FDA um, and regulators, um, there was a big question around. Okay, this has never been done before. How can a, uh, you know, AI automatically dose a patient when there wow. was a level of um, uh, accuracy issue and we felt that a clinical oversight is needed? We had a clinical oversight. Okay. So you uh, still need the humans, right? Uh, we, we needed the humans 5% of the times. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> we needed no. the humans. We will not talk about the 95%, but let's make some... Let's... Wearable brain sensors are coming. We don't have very good brain data sets right now, particularly of healthy individuals with continuous monitoring over time. Aha. And you see, this is one thing that Whitney and I have talked about, about one potential, maybe in the future, maybe already happening effort. Because we know they're failing to reach the singularity and they keep talking about trying to reach the AI singular. And the point is that at least Whitney discusses the possibility that they either are already faking that in order to get you to think that they have it so they can just dictate what they want and claim it's artificial intelligence or that they are genuinely trying to achieve that by testing on you right now. We've talked about Charles Lieber and the virus mimicking nanotechnology back in 2011 that they had already succeeded at using lipid nanoparticles and that overlap with the brain machine interface. And now we have Elon Musk doing that same direction. It's all been, the, you know, all this is overlapping with COVID-19, the vaccinations and nanotechnology and whether this is being done to essentially map your brain and, the, and mesh Many people, the same, like the point is understand meshing and the concept of your, your, what's the term I'm looking for? You could talk about it in a lot of different ways in the context of like a, a router, let's say, you know, the point is you can mesh these things. If you have hypothetical, I'm not saying this is what's happening, just hypothetically speaking, if you did put something in these injections, you could essentially use this to map people's brains simultaneously. That's not my opinion. That's something you can read about in scientific studies that in one way is being done, science studying. We've talked about the, the magnoferritin injections that have been openly discussed for a long time. And people will balk at this and call it crazy because they've been trained to do so. There's peer-reviewed studies talking about all of this. The question is simply, would they be willing to do it without you knowing about it? Well, yes, they've already said that would be the way to go should they need to. So here, as she explains, that's one thing we need. It all kind of falls into place. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly what's happening. I'm saying... If you would immediately assume it's not, you're just not, you're giving them the benefit of the doubt when it's surely not justified. How many of you will willingly share your data? Not me. That's the point. They know that. Your they brain data. Continuous monitoring of your brain. Okay, you didn't ask me with whom. <laughs> if See? we can design our world differently, which we can, 
so that that's not the fear that people have, but there's actually a benefit that they see societally for humanity to share their data, then we'll get these insights. AI will transform and revolutionize healthcare and what it means to be human. Aha, as long as you're willing to give up your, your data, right? It, once you give up your data, then we can look at all of it and we'll all come, we'll, we'll save the planet. That's what they are straight up telling you. That's not what's going to happen. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the future. The point is what they're saying is you need to relinquish control. That's how we're going to solve your problems. Assuming what they, when they think solve your problems, they're thinking what you think. <laughs> Most likely not the case. Now, here is the HHS. You just put out a document, as you can see, hhs.gov, which is very interesting, actually. This is a, the, the writing on this made me kind of wonder if this was fake, but it clearly seems to be real. It's on their website. Department of Health and Human Services, Office of Inspector General. The National Institutes of Health and EcoHealth Alliance did not effectively monitor awards and sub-awards, so the grants going out, resulting in missed opportunities. That's a really nice way to put that. So basically what they're saying is, well, National Institutes of Health just didn't monitor well enough. There was no crimes happening here. They even literally mentioned EPPP, but gain-of-function research, and all they're going to say is, ah, well, we just kind of mismatched, and we didn't, you know, we weren't doing their jobs right. We'll do better next time because we're still going to do it. It's literally it's just ridiculous, but that's what, that's what they do. This is put out January 2023. The National Institutes of Health and Equal Health Alliance, same, head, same title, did not effectively monitor them, resulting in missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. Now, this is what they found. It says, despite identifying potential risks associated with research being performed under Equal Health Awards, we found that NIH did not effectively monitor or take time, timely action to address Equal Health's compliance. Right. So it's just a just a, you know, clerical error, right? no crime being committed. Like This is incredible the way they're trying to lay this out. Although NIH and EcoHealth Alliance had established monitoring procedures, we found deficiencies in complying with those procedures. OK, so who's going to go to jail for that? Right. So they failed. And these, we're talking about working with high level BSL four deadly things. And we're just going to go, oops, <laughs> they just didn't monitor well enough. OK, whose fault is that Fauci? Is it was it was it Collins at the time? Who, who's in, who's responsible? Who's going to be able to? You can't just brush this aside and be like, "We'll do better," because that's what they're doing with this. It says to effectively monitor federal grant awards and sub awards to understand the nature of the research conducted. <laughs> yeah, you think maybe we should find out what they're doing with that money? No, the point is this is about them keeping a fog, like a undefined middle ground where they can always act like they didn't know. It's not our fault. Identity problem, potential problem, identify potential problem areas and take corrective action. You know, going forward, <laughs> using its discretion, NIH did not refer the research to HHS for an outside review. It says, however, oh, it's right here. This says for enhanced, it says they did not refer the research to HHS for review for enhanced potential pathogenic pathogens <laughs> or EPPP otherwise known as 30 seconds ago gain-of-function research, because it determined the research did not involve and was not reasonably anticipated to create or, or transfer EPVP. So they're wrong, though, right? Because we all know that's what actually happened. It says, however, NIH added a special term and condition in Equal Health Alliance awards and provided limited guidance on how Equal Health Alliance should comply. Right again, so you're involved and should be held accountable. We follow, we found that NIH was only able to conclude that research resulted in virus growth that met specified benchmarks based on late progress. So they were doing EPPB research or gain of function. We all know that, though. 
Based on these findings, we conclude that NIH missed opportunities to more effectively monitor research. So in other words, they didn't do their job and they allowed people to do gain-of-function research while they paid them for it. Oops. <laughs> right? It's like, wah, wah, we're a move forward, no big deal. Like that's, that's, I mean, this is a big deal, especially with what's going on right now. Under the argument that this could be connected to it. With improved oversight, NIH may be able to do things better. Hooray! We identified several other deficiencies and oversights of the awards. Some of these deficiencies include improper terminate, termination of a grant. So we, we took away money from them. We should have given them more. EcoHealth's inability to obtain scientific documentation from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And EcoHealth Alliance's improper use of grant funds, resulting in $89,000 in unallowable costs. The oversight work has continually demonstrated that grant awarding agencies' oversight of subrecipients, whether domestic or foreign, is challenging. I mean, this 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 is a this is comical. Although the world, the Wuhan Institute of Virology cooperated with EcoHealth monitoring for several years, Wuhan Institute of Virology's lack of cooperation following the COVID nineteen outbreak limited EcoHealth Alliance's ability to monitor. Oh, so it's not even EcoHealth Alliance's fault. You see, bad guy China despite the fact that that's been aggressively shown to be overlap at worst or at best, excuse me, like we're meaning that France and the United States, they were all involved in this, no matter how you spin this. This is just them trying to kind of lay the groundwork and be like, well, we did what we thought was right and we tried and we failed, but we'll do better next time. Keep funding us. It says we recommend that NIH ensure that Equal Health Alliance accurately and timely manner report awards. Oh, you see? So it's still going forward. Now it says, and to assess whether NIH staff are following policy to err on the side of inclusion when determining whether to refer research that may involve gain-of-function research for further review. I mean, my God. So they're literally going, yeah, we'll just got to make sure we're doing it right. They're still doing gain-of-function research. They're still working with China. They're still working with the EcoHealth Alliance. Yep, that's still happening. Here's the point. EcoHealth Alliance gets a $3 million grant from the Department of Defense. This is today, guys. So after everything that just happened, not only are they still working with China, by the way, they're still working with EcoHealth Alliance. They're still working with Charles Lieber. They're still working with all these people for the exact same direction. Gain function research. (laughs) This is how stupid they think we are, or they just don't care. Well, here's an interesting point from October 20th, 2022. I actually hadn't seen this one. This is yet another study. Yes, a preprint. Actually, I think it might have already been. It looks like it's already been posted as a um, as a peer viewed. Let me see real quick. Double check. Normally, it has the, the print down below where it says it's an, a, a preprint. Let's just search for this real quick and see. Or if it has the list here. Nope, I don't see it anywhere. Well, in any case, regardless, a lot of these end up... Oh, is this it right here? Mashed up MD? I'm not familiar, so I don't know if this is... Anyway, the point is, this study is there, and it's important. Now, you, you know, look, this, what's important to question here, as always, is whether or not this is, you know, using the narrative... Like, we, we should be wondering many things right now. Whether or not this, Denny Rancourt points out, this could have been an entire illusion. Entirely, right? From the... T- from combining flu, pneumonia, PCR test, and so on. But then don't forget that Dr. Peter McCullough argues that it's very clear that you can see, and he makes a good point about things like seeing micro blood clots and different problems. Now, his argument is not that that proves that we do have something called SARS-CoV-2, but rather that if we don't think it's that, then what is it? 
people are, oh, it's the flu. And, and he says, well, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up with what he feels he's proven and what he's seen in the world. Now, you could argue that he's wrong or he's lying. It's always possible, too. I just don't I don't think that. I think what we're talking about is something that is different to what to you know what is causing it is up for debate, though. Right. We've talked about all sorts of things with 5G and industrial pollution and glyphosate and all these different things that have been building and building. So it's possible. The point, though, is what I'm getting at is that we can discuss the possibility of other things causing this. We can discuss the idea of isolation about whether that actually happened. We can discuss the fact that we've seen examples of this potentially existing long before they say it was seen in Wuhan and so on. Right. However, that you know, all that's being said, consider what this study has to say. Now, it's saying an end, uh, endonucleus fingerprint indicates a synthetic origin of SARS-CoV-2. Now, remember, in the very beginning of this, for those that, I mean, I've tried to walk a very specific line on this because of what the evidence shows. But in, the, in I'm in never have I no, stopped considering whether this could have been a bioweapon or that it could have come from a lab. Or on top of that, also simultaneously considering in the same body of evidence whether or not it could be completely fake. Because we should, because I don't think these things have been 100% flushed out. Regardless, I'll include the search for general bioweapon. You'll see we've talked about this a lot throughout COVID. HIV, AIDS compared SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, and DARPA's immune system-focused agenda, bioweapon. And you can see we've talked about Dr. Fleming. And this is the main one right here, ultimately, just one of them anyway. Going all the way back to March 2020, 2020. Discussing. Coronavirus, bioweapons, vaccines, fake pandemics, globalization plots, and 5G sickness. Let's dive in. All the way back in 2020, right? Very early we were talking about this possibility and the reality that it still could be something. Now, one of the things that got pushed back on real hard in this conversation was the whole, you know, viruses aren't real, which is certainly something to discuss. I just think it's frustrating how certain people in that crowd will shout that argument without anything else to go along with it as if that just shuts down the conversation. It's like, well, let's engage in this a little bit. I'm open to that possibility. I don't think it's been proven 100%. Even my conversations with people like Dr. Kaufman, he'll, he'll even add a little caveat at the end when you get to certain points. And I go, yeah, well, we, don't, we can't explain that. The point is, I think it's more of a mixed bag, ultimately. And I think nobody truly understands. Historically speaking, that's usually the way to go. When we think, oh, Earth is flat, it's round. You know, history shows that we never really understood. Anyway, the point is, this is pretty compelling based on what this seems to find. To prevent future pandemics, it says it is important that we understand whether SARS-CoV-2 spilled over directly from animals to people or directly in a laboratory accident. What's interesting, though, is it leaves out the possibility of an intentional release. That's certainly possible, too, or just not there in general. It says we find that SARS-CoV-2 is an anomaly, more likely a product of synthetic genome assembly than natural evolution. So one of many now that have found that it's more likely something that was made. This is coming from people like, remember Luke Montagnier said this very early on? Another very highly regarded scientist came out early and said he could see components of HIV or, you know, that, that just couldn't be there naturally. There's all these things and they just don't want to talk about it. The restriction map of SARS-CoV-2 is consistent with many previously reported synthetic coronavirus genomes, meets all the criteria required for an efficient reverse genetic system, defers differs, excuse me, from closest relatives by a significantly higher rate of synonymous mutations in these synthetic-looking recognition sites. That's one of the points that was made in that same discussion. And has a synthetic fingerprint unlikely to have evolved from its close relatives. We report a high likelihood that SARS-CoV-2 may have originated as an infectious clone assembled in a lab. Interesting. Now, it says, we found that SARS-CoV-2 has the restriction site fingerprint that is typical for synthetic viruses. No, it doesn't mean is. 
simply means that it has one of the most obvious markers of what typically is considered a lab-made virus. The synthetic fingerprint of SARS-CoV-2 is anomalous in wild coronaviruses and common in lab-assembled viruses. Right, so it's not. It doesn't make sense in things you find in the wild, and what, yet it's very common in things that they find put together in a lab. The type of mutations, synonymous or silent mutations, that differentiate the restriction sites in SARS-CoV-2 are characteristic of engineering, and the concentration of these silent mutations in the restriction sites is extremely unlikely to have arisen by random evolution. Doesn't mean it's impossible, but it's pointing. They're arguing it's pointing in a clear direction. Both the restriction site fingerprint and the pattern of mutations generating from them are extremely unlikely in wild coronaviruses and nearly universal in synthetic viruses. Our findings strongly suggest a synthetic origin of SARS-CoV-2. Interesting. I mean, you take it for what you will, guys. The point is that it's interesting and it does overlap with a lot of other research that seems to suggest something in that direction. Now, I still don't know whether... It could be more than one thing too, right? What if this is something that was released, but at the same time, it was also fake using flu and PCRs. There's a lot of ways to look at this. I think it's really irresponsible for anybody to act like we know any of this right now. Like you can have a very strong opinion based on the data. I mean, look, you can do whatever you want. You can say, you know, everything. It's not, I don't get to dictate what you can say, but at the end of the day, I do think it's irresponsible to think we know for sure, because the data, as far as I can tell, and I am looking at all of it, does not seem to be conclusive just yet in regard to this question. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't prove that things like this are happening. I just think that what we're dealing with, I mean, I I think I explained it well enough. I think it's very clear that we should be asking the questions. Now, then we can see that EcoHealth Alliance, whether or not you think that's the case, a group that has been at the crux, the core of this entire argument, of being a problem, what they worked on, going on with China, the discussions around the side of this, or even the Charles Lieber conversation, and yet they just got more money. Peter Daszak, (laughs) it's just unbelievable. Business as usual for the key developer of SARS-CoV-2, as he puts it. Clearly, Dr. Dr. McCullough thinks that this is pretty clear. Now he says, just last month, Dr. Andrew Huff, former senior scientist and vice president at New Health Alliance, published The Truth About Wuhan in which he details how SARS-CoV-2 was engineered in a lab and how its leak from the lab was covered up by EcoHealth Alliance president and CEO Dr. Peter Daszak in collaboration with NIAID director Anthony Fauci. That's what he's arguing. The, the uh, uh, what's his name? Dr. Andrew Huff. In 2015, Dr. Ralph Barrick from North Carolina University published a paper in which he plainly stated that he and his colleagues at the Wuhan Institute of Virology were performing gain-of-function work on bat coronaviruses in order to make them transmissible to humans. It's a fact that they said that. It is surely one of the most bizarre events in history, Dr. Peter McCullough writes, that none of the men who developed SARS-CoV-2 were even the subject of an official investigation. On the contrary, they remain in business and continue to receive taxpayer money. For a long time, he says, I have suspected that the biopharmaceutical complex of international foundations and U.S. federal agencies is now operating outside the law. The key players in this complex are untouchable. No legislator or law enforcement officer has the heart to challenge their power. The latest EcoHealth Alliance grant is further evidence that we the people no longer count, at least as they're concerned. The truth is that we do. Oh, excuse me. It's written by John Leake, who also I I also interviewed, by the way, uh, with Dr. Peter McCullough. I'll grab that for you since I mentioned it's a great interview, by the way. The last interview I just did with Dr. Peter McCullough was also really important. About only 30 minutes, but we really broke things down pretty quickly. 
Let me just grab this really quickly so you guys can watch this one. It was a great interview. Do, 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 uh, doc, um, John, Dr. Is it? Do, I don't think it's Dr. John Leak. Very intelligent. Very, very insightful. And with some of the things we talk about, I'll include that for you guys to check out. But going forward, here is the tweet and one of the or some of the links and information that he includes in his Substack, showing you Eco Health Alliance, despite possibly having caused the pandemic and definitely having repeatedly and gravely violated terms of the U.S. government grant, which is true, currently has twelve active U.S. government grants on top of what they just got. They just got more money, three million more dollars, but they've currently got another thirty-one million dollars in grants currently ongoing. Because clearly they're, they're aware. I mean, think about how crazy that is. This is the point about pretending like you're looking at them, but having like, or when they pretended to shut down or they did shut down funding for the Wuhan Institute of Virology, but maintained the many other locations in China doing the same thing that were currently being done at Wuhan Institute of Virology. Makes no sense. Unless you realize it's trying to make you think something's changing. But it says, Just News points out EcoHealth uh, Eagle Health nonprofit at the center of Lab League Theory receives $3 million. That's what we're talking about today. More money. It's right here for you. And look at what it's for, guys. Combating weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> Great. So yet again, we're making defense weapons. Or excuse me, vaccinations. The point is they always under the guise of defending. So you're, you're, what are you going to do? You're going to make dangerous things under the guise that just in case they make the same one in a billion possible thing? They're making weapons, guys, and it's the same thing. We've come full circle back to where they're now justifying doing the same thing that they argue possibly started the entire game. Department of Defense, Eagle of the Alliance, combating weapons of mass destruction, ends December 11th, 2025. I feel safe. What about you? Here's Charles Rixley just pointing out a 2018, in 2018, a group of retired military leaders, scientists, ranked 33 known bioweapons in 12 relevant categories. In 2022, they scored SARS-CoV-2 with the same rubric. As a potential bioweapon, the COVID-19 virus was number four out of 34 different possibilities. Food for thought. Now you can read the study. I was going to go over this in depth, but, you know, it's, it's kind of a... You can read it for yourself and take it for what you will. The point is these people believed based on these metrics that what we're calling SARS-CoV-2, and that's kind of why I feel like it's a little bit up in the air, and the narrative and the discussion around it is aligned with what they would argue is a high possibility for being a bioweapon. But the study itself actually is more so saying that it has the potential to be used as a bioweapon. That's kind of why I just decided to put it away. Either way, interesting data point in this conversation. If you want to look into this more, please look through this. And it goes much further than just these ones I showed. Older post, it goes on forever. We've been talking about the potential for bioweapons for a long time, the use of them, and then in general, what's been going on since COVID. Here's even about Ukraine biolabs may have been used to create bioweapons. My interview with Ben Swan. It's a lot in there, guys. Or in general, just this main one showing you the conversation going up back a long way. Now, to finish up today, Going over three hours today, rock and roll. Here is something that I think every single person everywhere has seen, but it's still interesting to talk about and really just let you guys see just in case you haven't. Now, what I said before we started, guys, there is literally no reason this should be dismissed. Nothing. I mean, the argument is, oh, it doesn't really work for Pfizer. It's already been shown that's not true. Everyone's debating all of this stuff. Now, it could be possible that, let's say, he did lie about this to impress his date could be possible that Pfizer set this up to trick a bunch of people, anti-vaxxers. It could be possible that Project Veritas got tricked. There, you know, there's all these possibilities, regardless of any of that. It's still relevant. 
it's still interesting. And at the very least, you don't know for sure. So the fact that anybody would be dismissing this out of hand says everything to me. Everybody should be interested in this because of what is discussed. And if you haven't seen this, get ready because it's very, very, very interesting and very entertaining. Bottom line is this Pfizer entity or employee is discussing purposely trying to mutate this so they can make vaccines for what they know they've mutated, which, by the way, guys, is exactly what this is. That is making the same thing happen here. That is gain of function. You're making something dangerous so they can make the vaccine for it just in case. Right. But it's the same game, except over here, they're saying we're going to do that to make money. Same game. Narrative is the only difference. So take a listen to this. But again, realize and consider the possibility that this guy could very well be lying to impress his date. He could very well, any number of possibilities. Either way, he works for Pfizer. So it's very interesting, even if he is lying. But my gut tells me, I mean, look, there's a lot of things about this that seem very suspicious. The way he's acting, the way he acts at the end part of it, where he basically attacks James O'Keefe. There's a lot about this that doesn't seem like it adds up to me, but that people act weird in weird situations. So the point is, if I don't know for sure, then I'm not going to conclude that it's fake. So that's why we're going to engage with it. But let's not also jump the gun and say we know for sure that this guy is saying the exact truth. Who knows? Either way, my point is it's interesting. Ultimately, is thinking about mutating COVID. Well, that is not what we say to the public. No, don't tell anyone this. Really. You got to publish your own title. You got to publish your own title. We're exploring, like, now, you know how the virus keeps mutating? Yeah. Well, one of the things we're exploring is, like, why don't we just mutate it ourselves so we can, pro- so we can create undeveloped develop new vaccines, right? So we have to do that. If we're going to do that, though, there's a risk of, like, as you could imagine, no one wants to be having a pharma company mutating fucking viruses. <laughs> be, like, very controlled to make sure that this virus that you mutate doesn't create something like, you know, it goes everywhere. Something crazy. It's the way that the virus started and moving on. To be honest, like, it's, it makes no sense if this virus popped out of nowhere. Like, yeah, I know. Meet Jordan Tristan Walker, a director of research and development strategic operations and mRNA scientific planning at Pfizer. It sounds like gain of function to me. I don't know. It's a little bit different. I think it's different. It's like there's... It's definitely not gain of function. It sounds like it is. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. So directed evolution is very different. Well, you're not supposed to do gain of function research with the viruses. Like, yeah. Rather not. But you do, like, these, like, selected directional mutations. To try- selected mutations, directed evolution. It's the same game. Same game. That's why you can even see it in the way he's talking about this, assuming this is genuine and honest. My, my only wonder is whether this was either him lying to impress his date, as he later goes on to argue, which is pretty suspect or this is being set up in, in it intentionally as some people are arguing to trick people like us that's why i'm not saying we know for sure this is the absolute fact and they were caught and it's all over you know who knows there's always these possibilities and i you know i i question a lot about i mean project veritas is very very partisan and that concerns me but that's, i've always supported their work because it's pretty damn hard to deny video people talking about what they're doing right nonetheless this is Concerning though, just because of how weird this is. That's even more potent. Yeah. So there, there is research I'm going about that. I don't know how that's going to work. There not be any more outbreaks. To think Jesus Christ. The gentleman seems to have absolutely no. 
it's pretty good for the industry to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad for everyone else in America. Why is it bad for everybody else? Because if the regulators who have to approve our drugs know that once they stop being regulated, they want to work for the company, then I got to be as hard as company. If this is the quality. Right. So what they're talking about in general is exactly the point, right? That it's, it's what he's admitting to is not just the pharmaceutical part. But the de- defense department, sorry, so that these people know that their jobs are waiting for them. That is the, I mean, have you guys seen um, the the uh, the Big Short? It's a good book. It's a good movie. It's worth watching to get a little bit of an insight into how these games work. There's the part where the girl who is working for the regula- regulatory side of this, and she's a- regulating the banks, right? She's laying up by the pool and they come out and she's hanging out with all the Goldman Sachs boys and they're all laughing and flirting. And, and the point is, he goes, are you allowed to do that? He goes, she goes, yeah. The point is that she wants to get a job with them. It's, it's, a, it's a casual joke. These people know that the lucrative positions are for the very groups that they hold accountable. So they usually don't so they can get a cushy job afterward. It's the revolving door. And he knows this. He's talking about it casually, but it also happens with defense contractors and the government. It's the same game. We live in a broken it's just a broken scenario here. The powerful have been manipulating this for far too long. They know this. It's all the defense contractors and the pharmaceutical companies and the companies themselves, the corporations, and the larger entities dictating, not the other way around. I think we're all beginning to see this. Vaccines now. Oh, we actually have a meeting about that today. So there's a lot. Really? They're doing. Uh, I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> Our undercover journalist asked Walker how Pfizer is handling the fact that their COVID vaccines are ineffective against virus variants. What he said is disturbing. Listen to this. We're exploring, like, no, you know how the virus keeps mutating? Yeah. Well, one of the things we're exploring is, like, why don't we just mutate it ourselves so we can develop new vaccines, right? So we have to do that. If we're going to do that, though, there's a risk of, like, as you could imagine, no one wants to be having a pharma company mutating fucking viruses. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we're like, do we want to do this? <laughs> so that's, like, one of the things we're considering. See, this just general engagement, this seems genuine to me. Just, just my gut. Who could know, right? But if this, if this guy, unless he's an actor, this seems like a pretty genuine conversation. Just my, just my guess. Okay. So like the future, like maybe we can like create new versions of the vaccines and things like that. Okay, so Pfizer ultimately is thinking about mutating COVID. Well, that is not what we say to the public. No, that's why it was a thought that came up in a meeting, and we were like, "Why? Why do we not?" It was like we're going to consider that with more discussions. Okay, that exact reaction, right? We're like, "Wait a minute!" Like, people won't like that. That's right. It appears that Pfizer is internally discussing the possibility of mutating the COVID virus themselves in order to tailor a vaccine to sell to the public. Listen to Walker describe in detail just how they would conduct such a scientific experiment. First, in living animals. So the way that we're thinking about it, don't tell anyone this story. You probably don't tell anyone. Probably don't tell anyone. So um, the way it would work is like we put them in the virus in these monkeys, okay, and then we successively like cause them to keep infecting each other. And we collect serial samples from them, and then the ones that are more infectious, like the virus, we'll put them in another monkey and just constantly actively mutate it. That's why. That, that is gain of function, despite what they call it, the directed evolution. The point is, that's what they've done in the past, on the record. I mean, this is gain of function. You are intentionally trying to make this gain function. You get it more deadly, more transmissible by choosing the ones that are like that and continuing to make it. And also realize by doing that, they're making it mutate. 
guess what's not involved in that process? A vaccine. Wait a minute. <laughs> like the point is they're continuing to spread and catch and spread and catch, right? That's what we're pointing out in the real world. It's not just being unvaccinated causing this. It's the idea that people are spreading and spreading and catching and catching. The people who are spreading and catching it more than anybody in the world right now are the vaccinated, the injected. We've already proven that in the UK and plenty of other places. They're spreading it three, four times more than anybody else. Just because you want to, you say it reduces symptoms, which is not even what's happening. The point is you're proving that they're the ones creating the mutations. Now, the vaccine does play a factor in that. and It does increase the variations in general because it's fighting harder to work its way around. But that's not necessary. The point is simply continuing to spread and catch. On top of that, when you have something that changes the situation, it gets you. I've gone over this in depth, the leaky vaccine argument and so on. But the point here is they're going to continue to try to do this. He's arguing to mutate this, to make vaccines for it, and so on. And you can finish watching this for yourself. There's other things they get into. The crux of the point is ultimately that. But I, I'm with, like, there are people in the chat commenting about this. If something feels off, it doesn't feel right, I question it. You should. That's the, that's the correct response. Question this. Could this be false? Could it be lying? Could this be a hoax? Absolutely could. Now, regardless, though, we don't have enough information in the moment to know any of that, so you, there's, no, there's no reason you should dismiss this. That's my point from before. In every way, this seems to be very relevant. Now I'll show you why. Okay, so here, well, first of all, it's very odd. The Daily Mail put this out. Why don't we just mutate it ourselves and then deleted it? Which is interesting to me. They're not usually the ones to do that unless they suddenly feel like they, I don't, I, who knows? I'm not going to guess about why Daily Mail would delete it, but they did. Now it says an alleged Pfizer executive. Well, that's interesting, right? Seeing as how it does seem pretty clear. Here's Dr. Malone. So can we stop the denialism now? Here's his name, Jordan Walker, MD, Director of Worldwide R&D Strategic Operations. That is his name. Here's his LinkedIn page. Now here is a picture of him literally working and standing next to the, the, to the other doctors and their first physician in the fam. And his point is they're saying, um, this is the, the newest Pfizer video. All, you can, all the links are in below. You can check it out. Dr. Malone was sharing this as well. The point is, this is him right there. Now this gets increasingly strange when we get into the next part of this, it's very weird. And that's one of the more reasons I feel actually it's weird. This last board, the last, not this one, but the next video, it gives me both. Actually, it gives me a lot of reason why it makes you think even more soundly that or more confidently that this is real. There's also other parts of it that stand out to me as very suspect. And you'll see what I mean when I, when I show it, but here is just the point for anyone saying that he does, it's is fake and isn't the Pfizer director. Uh, it, it shows in this video, the discussions. Oh, this was on the, the Twitter spaces where James O'Keefe was talking about this. He graduated Yale 2013. They got all those documentation. They put all of this on the Twitter spaces, which I think the link is right below here. Yeah. And you can listen to it for yourself. They go over all the information. Kim.com right out of the gate was like, how do we know for sure? And they went through all of it. And it seems pretty obvious. This guy does work for Pfizer. Here's gateway pundit. Pfizer director physically assaults James O'Keefe. This is really interesting, this part. So let's watch this next. This is the part that really caught my attention. So what we're going to watch here is, oh, let me get this video real quick, is the part where James O'Keefe comes up and sits down. And this is the confrontation moment and shows him the thing and the way he responds. Very, very interesting here. And you'll even see some parts they didn't show in the larger video where it seems that he was getting suspicious. Where he's going like, why are you, I've often wondered that. I'm thinking like, who doesn't ask, like, we're on a date. Why are you asking me like questions like we're in an interview? 
that sounds very interesting to me. You'll see that he did kind of push back on that. Maybe that's why they stepped in. Now, this is really interesting and entertaining how he gets aggressive. Now, you tell me whether you think this is what makes sense or seems a little bit too much. Hey there. Is this seat taken? You work for Pfizer. My question for you is, why does Pfizer want to hide from the public the fact that they're mutating the COVID viruses? Is this real life? I'm literally a liar. I was trying to impress... I found it very interesting that his first response is, I'm a liar. I was literally lying. So he gets confronted after saying all these things and he, and he immediately says that. I don't know why that doesn't sound like it makes sense to me. He, I mean, the, the, the situation hasn't even set in yet unless maybe he immediately knew what was happening and knew it was James O'Keefe. And so he was like, I'm screwed. I don't know. You know, the point is, it's impossible to try to guess at how somebody would respond in this situation. Like just thinking that it's real and that, you know, you just said something that's a huge deal. And now, you know, everyone's going to know it. You know, that, that's pretty wild. Maybe you're going to think even more serious. Maybe not just maybe jail time. Who knows what Pfizer will do? Maybe something worse. The point is here that it just it's hard to know for sure how somebody would react. That's a person on a date. What's your Let me just get to the beginning of it here. Right here. This is where it starts. Watch the whole thing. Pfizer not want the public to know that you guys are... I realize this is not O'Keefe at this point. This is the date. He went on multiple dates with this guy. O'Keefe only comes in right at the end. During directed evolution. Bro, what, what's going on here? I got those, like, an uh, interview. What do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. It's freaking me out. I mean, these, like, flashbacks to that, like, same organization of, like, those conservative people who, like, randomly go into organizations and then, like, befriend people who work in these organizations and then report them. He knows. He's, I mean, what, what a jack. You're literally going to, you know, this is going on and you're, and you're sitting here basically interviewing about secret things. Like that's, that's questionable, I guess. Which happened to people at Pfizer. So it like freaks me out when people start asking a lot of questions. Well, we're just so great. Yeah. Why would that go to this public? Because I'm, I just want to know the answer. They're not reporting me. Oh my God. Jason, that'd be horrible. You're not be reporting me or something like so right there, you argue, yeah, so if he's been asking those questions and then this happens, it kind of made sense, you know, that he's just like, ah, like, you feel really stupid that you just got tricked. Hey there. Is this seat taken? What? Hi. Um, you work for Pfizer. My question for you is, why does Pfizer want to hide from the public the fact that they're mutating the COVID viruses. Is this real life? What is happening here? Why? What is going on here? This is absurd. Why does Pfizer want to hide from the public that they're mutating the COVID virus? Oh my God. You're on video. You're on video. Mutating the COVID virus. What is going on here? I need to call the police right now. This is not. I don't know what's going on either. This is ridiculous. So you're on video. Uh, we're, 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 I'm a journalist. Bro, first of all, I'm literally a liar. He's, he's on video. Whoa. You're saying we're exploring how the virus keeps um, mutating. Yes, One of the things we're exploring right is why don't we mutate the virus? So please do. Please do call the police. Please do call the police. Please do. Okay, so so far, what are your thoughts in the chat? What do you I mean? So far, is this what you would expect? Not that that necessarily proves one or the other, right? But his response does seem like this would make sense to me. 
in the beginning is, you know, this, the, the reaction, the kind of the way he's talking, he seems like he's freaking out, you know, and he's not making complete sentences. He's not, you know, it, it kind of makes sense to me. But the more this goes on, there's a bunch of things in this that just kind of can, like, why wouldn't he have left? Why wouldn't he have, you know, I don't know, calling the police. There's a lot of this. It just kind of makes it seem more grandiose, including how the owner of the restaurant acts, including locking the door with them inside, which doesn't really seem like any restaurant owner I've ever known would ever do. That's odd to me. You're going to call the police. He's, he's uh, going to call the police for asking him a question. Please do call the police. Please do. He's uh, on tape here talking about mutating the COVID virus. You, can I talk to you outside about this? Absolutely not. You're not even my wife on this. What is your name? Because you fucked up. You really did. I'm about to see you. This is absurd. Please. You have someone mock me as if they're going on a date to record me? You don't even know my position at this. What I was your, trying to impress position? a person on a date What's your by position? lying. I was literally trying. Okay. I'm not even a scientist by background. You know what that I came position? from a consulting firm right. that does business. Please, this is please, absurd. Please don't touch me. This is absurd. Now, I'm, I'm not like what he said there. I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm, I'm, I'm he almost said, as you know. That's one that stood out to me right there. And even the way he came up kind of hot to him right there, like he was going to be violent with him. It didn't seem like it added up with where he was at already. Like, I mean, I'm just, I'm going over the top, guys. Like I said, nobody should be dismissing this right now unless we have more information that I don't have yet. So I'm just trying to go over the top, trying to pick things out that I think stand out. Just why not, since we're watching it. Those, th- I just it felt like, though, like there, was, there was more planning right there, possibly, with him running up and doing something and the way he was like, you know already, I don't know. That stood out to me. Small things. So, please do call the cops. Please do. Why would you call the cops if you have nothing to hide? Like for anybody that's ever done like a skit or, or live performance, you know, there's, a, there's things that stand out in this. But again, that could just be organic. It could just be because people act differently. But something to point out. <laughs> so he's obviously having one of the most outrageous reactions i've ever seen as mdma points out that's a good point remember the different generation right there younger people do act very different today versus how i might think i would act and so on uh in the history of project veritas he's threatening to call the police okay he grabbed the microphone the question is why is he calling the police there's another part that i thought was very strange okay I've run businesses my entire life. I've run restaurants my entire life, both as general manager, as chefs, even as cooks. I don't know anybody anywhere that would have ever let this guy wander around the restaurant, behind the bar, behind the kitchen. That does not make sense to me. That was honestly, that's one of the most, the, the things that stood out to me the most. Now, maybe it's because this woman is just kind of overwhelmed with what's going on, the cameras, but I, this is my restaurant. I'm not letting this play out the way that it does. Just, just my, my take on that. Now, watch the way he just he kind of wanders around everywhere in these areas. Like, I'm a restaurant owner. I'm, that's not allowed. You're going to slip and hurt yourself, and then I'm responsible. Get out of the back of the area. You're not wearing non-slip shoes. See, people that know this stuff about restaurants know that that doesn't make sense. Can you just respect my father's restaurant? Please stop. Can I get a bell? Can I get a check for the bell? Please? No, do not give me a check. No, don't let me leave. Because I want the cost to know this. Do you want to put me in jail for asking you a question? Yes, sir. What is the intention of calling the police? They have like no one's injured right now. We have several witnesses. Can I talk to you, please, about this video? 
Why would you bring race into this? Please read the cost. It's very unsafely. We have you on tape talking about mutating the COVID virus. No one mutates a COVID virus. Show you the May I show you the video? No, I want to follow this what please don't want to leave. Do we have to leave? Okay. No, you cannot just leave. Are you do you want me to leave? Yeah, right, guys, just to be clear. I've already said many times, there's no reason to dismiss this. Everything about this so far, as far as I can tell, seems legitimate. Very clear. That period. End of story. I'm just trying to have, I'm just trying to engage with this as trying to be as critical as possible just for the experiment and the exercise. Just so that's clear. Everyone's like, but Ryan, everything's wrong with it. The, and the point is, by, by the way, for the kitchen part of it, in a, in a restaurant, especially behind the bar, you'll find the same tile floor that you'll find in the kitchen. That's how you clean it and stuff. So when he walks back behind the bar, same point for non-slip shoes versus the kitchen. Just so that's clear. Somebody's saying he may have been a regular. Yeah, certainly possible. We don't know. That's the point. So nobody knows. So these are just exercise and points and trying to discuss this in a way that's critical for the sake of being hypercritical. We question everything, don't we? Even though I think this is most likely what happened. Come here and see all of you people. You, this can, is I, can, you, can I ask you about this, this video? Insane. Please. You can tell them about how he's lying to impress Here, just, just, is it true what, what you said? What is this? No. I literally was on a birthday with a guy, and like normal men, you lie to impress a date. Mutating <laughs> viruses? Do you, do, you, do you not work for Pfizer? This guy. I thought he was a date. Sir, do you not work for Pfizer? Do you no, work I for... I was a contractor. What the fuck are you doing? I'm pretty sure he just said no, I was a contractor, which is a lie. That is a lie. Do you currently work for Pfizer, yes or no? Do you currently work for Pfizer, yes or no? What are you talking? See, now that right there, assuming this is genuine, that's a pretty guilty response, isn't it? No, what are you talking about? Well, it's clear what he's asking. It's clear what he wants to know. And the weird response repeatedly seems like he's trying to hide from that fact. You don't work for Pfizer. You can do this. He doesn't want me to leave, ma'am. I tr- <laughs> I, he wants the cops here, but he doesn't want me to leave. So I'm in a little bit of a predicament because she's asking me to leave, but he doesn't want me to leave. So what should we do? Okay, so these people have just, I was on a Hi, date. You're on a video here. people literally went Look, out of Pfizer is this mutating is the virus. This is absurd. Look at this no, video. No, I literally said that. Is, what are you talking about? Well, this is not, by the way, why don't, are you doing don't this? tell anybody. Someone who was just working at a company to literally yeah. help the public. This why do you want to hide it from the public? I don't public? know who you people are, and I can't believe I'm going to trust the one. Why do you want to hide it from the public? If you suspect that, that mutating COVID virus, is this the way the virus started in Wuhan? Why do you think it's okay for Pfizer to do that? He's filming the restaurant owner right now. He's filming her. I don't know why he's filming her. Would you like me to leave? Because he don't let them leave. I'm pretty sure you don't have the ability to not let people leave, no matter what. You're a citizen. You're not a you're not a police officer. It's very strange, right? That part of it is very weird to me. He won't. He's asking me not to leave, and he's consenting to my presence. Ma'am, are we allowed to just stay and ask a few questions? It's pretty remarkable that they. 
call the police on us every time we show up and ask questions. Every time. You say five. Right there, he's behind the bar. There's no way anybody would allow that in a restaurant. I'm just going to, I mean, I couldn't say, I shouldn't say that. Maybe they're lax. Maybe they don't care. In Never in my life have I worked with a bartender or a chef or a cook that would ever allow some random guy or a regular, by the way, to just wander behind the bar. Because if he slips, it's you that gets sued. And we all know that. So that is one of the most obvious points to me. But maybe it's just because the guy's losing his mind. He's acting irrational. So they're just like, get away. That makes sense, too. I'm just throwing out these possibilities. Just planning on doing research in the future, then claim that there's an ongoing research about that and that there better not be any more outbreaks. No way. Which is it? Are these experiments happening or not? Calling the police. We can do it right off front. Okay. No, do not leave. Do not leave. <laughs> What's that? They locked us in. Wow, look at that. Yeah. You do you want us to leave or not? Man, you locked the door. Okay, right there. He's in the kitchen, guys. He just walked into the kitchen. That's I mean, come on. That's a pizza oven right there. The guy is literally cooking in a 600 degree pizza. Are we really going to pretend that that makes sense? Now, I'm not saying that means it's fake. I'm just saying that is pretty damn weird. But the what makes the most sense is that these people are trying to ignore it because this guy seems like he's having a breakdown. But I'm, I don't know, man. I just that does not make sense to me of all things, ma'am. Man, we're trying to leave, but you locked us in here. No way. And now and now they're locked in the building. So now you're a restaurant owner allowing a random guy or a regular to wander around with no non-slip shoes. You're locking customers in your building. That there's nothing about that does not make sense to me. Now, maybe the possibility is that James O'Keefe knows these people and maybe I don't know. But there's something needs to be explained there personally. Call our attorney. Can you please unlock your door? Let us out. No, I don't know what's going on. I don't want anyone leaving. Before I don't know what's going on. Can you please unlock your door? No, you, no, don't let them leave. Can you unlock the door? I still like Please, no, don't let them out. Don't let them out. Could you please let us leave, ma'am? I don't know what's happening. We'd like to leave. We'd like to leave. Please unlock the door. Now you're going to cover your face? <laughs> now you're going to cover your face? Please, 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 un please unlock the door. And now, and now it gets unnecessarily... I mean, okay, so if you're in this guy, you're this guy, right? There's cameras everywhere. And you go after the the iPad with the video on it. I don't know. This just doesn't seem like it makes much sense. I would like to see the uncut as well. Please unlock, please unlock the door. Please now becomes more enticing and entertaining because of this part. Unlock the door. 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 This is this is remarkable here. Thank you. Thank you. We're trying to get unlock the door. Unlock the door. Unlock the door. It's not a lot of people like that. It is not. Stop. Let go of me. Now you're hurting me. What is going on? Right here. This part. It's oversold. Like a suit of pretending this is fake, right? I really hope you hear me in saying that. I'm trying to lean into this and engage with this and question this. I, I, yeah, the, from the very from all of this, there's everything. The fact that he works there, 
even if this is all a big hoax, it's still very relevant because he does seem clearly work at Pfizer. But this part of it seems not re- it's just the way he's acting and the way he's pushing back. And, you know, you grab that that iPad. <laughs> When's the last, I mean, why, what do you do? And you could break that thing a thousand different ways in a very easy ways. But I don't know. Just this part doesn't seem like it adds up right here. The way- it's not a way like that. It is not. Stop. Let go of me. Now you're hurting me. What is going on here? You cannot just record people like that. Come on. It's not okay. Come on. It's not okay. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. We're, we're in New York City. This is remarkable what you just witnessed here uh, in the restaurant. Come on, guys. Where's the, where's the car? Where's the vehicle? Keep walking. Come on, guys. Where's the, where's the car? Where's the vehicle? Looks like you laughed right there. Yeah, keep walking. Come on. This is insane. You just witnessed one of the most remarkable interactions ever. Do we have the iPad? So we're getting into the vehicle now. Where's our car? He's charging the guy, charging, charging, charging. You can't make an arrest at this point if you don't have the, the victim right here. Okay. If he was here, you'd arrest that guy? If he was here, yes. Oh, then we could just walk away then. Not worry about it. If, as, if that's what you guys want to do, then... So the point is that, that, at least as the cop is saying, if they wanted to, they could have had him arrested. If James O'Keefe was still there. Interesting. And however you want to look at this, guys... It definitely seems like there's questions here. But as I said, if it ends with this, just the way it is, he clearly works for Pfizer. And there's clearly this weird argument online go, pretending like it's not real as we that's the same COVID discussion. Fake news. You're lying. And when you can clearly prove it. So they want you prove he's real. It's like, well, you go do your due diligence. You lazy. Go do your own due diligence. My point, though, before, though, is about always proving what you're like sourcing your material. The point is when you put this out there and the argument is he's not real. The argue the, the data is there. The, the information along the actual article is there like James O'Keefe and his uh, here. I'll show you the, the post itself. All the information is included. You can find all this stuff. You can find it on the video. So for those that see this posted and just go not real, the source material is there. They just don't look at it. They reflect their reflexes to deny, deny, deny. That's how people play this game today. And as Dr. Eli David points out, two past two days have passed. Zero response from Pfizer. Zero coverage on the media. They're hoping that this just gets ignored. They're hoping that the argument that it's fake just kind of wins the day. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? But we do have people arguing it's fake. Here's Dr. Richard Fleming simply saying this is not credible. Not, I, there's no other response from him, so I'm not sure exactly why he thinks that. But there's plenty of reasons to, to, to you know, that could. But they're all subjective, as far as I can tell. He, you know, that he works there. That it, he's discussing the 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 um the, the the research as if he knows. He does have a background. He went to Yale, so you know, I don't know what else wouldn't be credible other than just suspicion. That's kind of why I keep saying there's no reason to dismiss it, even though we're suspicious. But here is George Webb who does go very kind of more, much more deep on this. He thinks it's all a big hoax, which is interesting. Here's what he says. He says, we're watching a journalistic Hindenburg with Project Veritas. 
Tim, Kim.com points out, George, are you drinking again? Project Veritas posted the internal Pfizer team's organizational chart showing Jordan and his reporting structure. You see, this is the things that they don't see when you just go fake. I'm not talking about George Webb, I'm talking about anybody else out there just refusing to look at it because it is there. They did show it. He says, my first question in the Twitter space was if they can show this stuff, and they did. George Webb responds, where are Jordan Tristan Walker's research papers, Kimbo? Do you just become head of mRNA research at Pfizer by twirling pizzas in New Haven, which he apparently worked there for a time? George says, let me prove this to you that you're mistaken. See Jordan Walker's article, 2020, and this is also one of the images that they shared, that uh, Malone shared, with Boston Consulting Group. Click on Jordan's LinkedIn profile. You can look at all this yourself. You can see the Pfizer reference. George then says, he's been at Pfizer less than two years. (laughs) And I'm with these people. Wait a minute. George, you originally claimed he was just a student at Yale. Now he's been at Pfizer. Like in this one thread, you can even watch the video. The video argues that he doesn't work at Pfizer. And three tweets later, he's going, but he's been at Pfizer for two. So he does work at Pfizer. Okay. So just through my quick little look at people saying it's not real. Most of them seem to be hinging on suspicion and wrong. (laughs) So overall, this so far does seem to be pretty legitimate. The question about is the question is whether the even if he does. And let's put it this way. The question is even though he works at Pfizer, could this have been a manipulation? Could this have been a setup? These are real questions, guys, especially with the fact that they know they're being caught. Or alternatively, could this have been a controlled opposition, controlled PSYOP kind of thing with Veritas? Of course. All that aside, that's not what I think is happening. I believe this is a guy caught on video trying to impress his date by telling him what he knows. Simple as that. All things considered, you know, Occam's razor. All things considered equal, the simplest explanation tends to be the right one. Not always, but until we have more information, it seems pretty clearly that this is a pretty big deal. And no one in the media is talking about it in the corporate field. Pretty interesting. All said and done, everything else we talked about today, you don't even need that video, guys. All that suggests is that they're using what we do know they've done and just pushing into the future. Because we just went over what they're talking about. New Grand's Ego Alliance. 3 million on top of 31 more million for literal EPPP grants. Like it's plainly in the, it's right on the surface what they're doing. What he's discussing is simply them just focusing in on trying to make the variants so they can then capitalize since they're going to be made anyway, right? I mean, we, are we really going to balk at Pfizer doing what they've been caught doing over and over in the past? I mean, guys, we're there. We're watching this play out. So that video aside, it's already happening. It's pretty interesting. So thank you for staying tuned today, three and a half hours. Make sure you get this information out to people that you care about. Break it down for them. Use the Substack, guys. Use the Substack for those that don't have the time to break down the longer shows because Scott's doing a good job on breaking these down on core points. On top of that, we have Brock West making some outstanding clips out there, some of which have already gone viral, like the one about collapsing athletes. It's clear that this is happening. Help other people see it. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Excuse me. Going to need to see your proof of vaccination. Oh. Now we got the new mandate going on. Right. Sorry. I have the um, the app. Oh, Moderna, huh? Heard that one knocks you on your ass. I got the Pfizer. Oh, you're a Pfizer guy. I, I hear Moderna's better, but not going to judge. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the new normal. Have a good one. Have a good one. A vaccine passport? Yeah, but I need proof of at least 10 booster shots. Alright, 10, 11. Where's the. 
Okay, AIDS vaccine passport. I'm gonna use an allergy test. Lyme disease. Chicken pox. H1N1. Rabies tag. H1N2. All right, proof of the herpes vaccine. And what about the herpes booster? I literally got it like 10 minutes ago. Let's see it. All right, hand, foot, and mouth disease. H1N5. Prostate exam. Whooping cough. I'm gonna need your Netflix password. HPV. I actually have HPV. I need proof to show solidarity to the HPV community. I'm gonna need to see your blockbuster card. Tetanus. Negative test for the Black Plague. Tetanus booster? I don't have it. I'll give it to you now. Proof of political party. Proof of diversity. Are you serious? We already have two white guys in there, okay? That's our limit. Okay, uh, I'm Jewish. What do you think this is, 2021? You're gonna have to be way more oppressed than that to get in here. You got like a 23 me test results? Yes, yes. 50% Ashkenazi Jew. 0.000027 Native American. Why didn't you just tell me that? You got an anti-racist card? All right, now I just got to check your white guilt score. 9.7, wow, not bad, man. Just got to scan you for male toxicity. Okay, quick set of questions. Would you have sex with a trans woman? Yes. Can men have babies? Yes. Do all lives matter? Yeah, no. Quote from Broad City to prove you can hang with gay people. Um, yes, queen. I'm sorry? Yes. Yeah, that's better. How many statues have you toppled this month? Nine. You support the police? No. Are all Trump supporters racist? Yes. How many abortions have you paid for? Five. I'm gonna need to see your punch card. All right, four more and your tenth one's free. How many people have you canceled this month? 18, 19, including my grandmother. Racist? No, she still likes Louis C.K. Even worse. Ever been me too? No. Me three? No. Me four? No. Me seven? Um, me 69? Mm -hmm. I need proof of a black friend. Okay, how many pronouns are there? 92,627. All right, and finally, I need you to recite the full sexuality acronym. Uh, L-G-B-T-Q-I-A-O-N-M-P-Z backslash question mark, greater than sign, less than sign, squiggly mark, a peace sign, at sign, hammer and sickle, poop emoji, and symbol for titanium. All right, just put your mask on and show them your receipt. You know, I actually lost the receipt, so... How are we supposed to give you your laundry if you don't have the receipt? 